warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned pop thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 377. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it take. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, paint, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftover. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. I'm still pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Hi, I'm Trace Balloon. And I'm Frank Conniff, TV's Frank from Mystery Science Theater 3000, and the Mads are back, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Mm, I love leftovers, especially pop culture ones. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm a leftover. No Jake this week. Jake uh, got his uh, second COVID shot. So uh, he's probably knocked the fuck out right now, not feeling it. And uh, here's the thing. He like he said, he's like, I better be feeling like shit because if I don't feel like shit and I don't get to talk about the circle, I'm going to be pissed. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, Jake, you're feeling like shit today, sir. Hopefully. All right. I'm not alone. The, yeah, the silence is is deafening, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the guests don't know what to do. Their hands are tied. They haven't been introduced. Don't know what to do. Don't know what to do. Showrunner Brian hasn't uh, hasn't brought anybody on. But you know what? I'm going to bring somebody on. I'm going to bring on. Who did we hear laughing there? That was Paul. Welcome, Paul Hart. Hey, thanks for having me. It's uh, got a little awkward when you wish nothing but bad health on Jake. So I yeah. had no idea how to react to that. No, that's what he wanted. That's what he said. He, he said he hopes he feels like shit today. Because if he does, if he feels great and he doesn't get to talk about the circle, then, uh, you know, because we're going to be talking about the old circle, the old circle today. Yeah. Anyway, uh, welcome, Paul. Movies from the heart, Paul. How you yeah, doing? Yeah, yeah. Feeling good? Thanks for it. Uh, yeah, it's going good, man. I just got done with Joe Stark today. You, ooh, wow. That sounds dirty. It, yeah. It wow. was supposed to sound dirty. I just had my way with Joe Stark earlier. Nah, it was probably the other way around. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, hey, Tristan Brown. Welcome, Shifted Tristan. Hey. Um, if I am shifting, I apologize. But, um, yeah, happy to be back. And first time being on with Paul and uh, Mike. And uh, I think I was on with Rebecca very briefly at uh, 300. Happy to be with you guys. Yeah, did you did you also have your? Is it awkward because you also had your way with Joe Stark earlier? 
He had his way with me. Oh, wow. Exactly. That, that's the way it happened. Holy shit. Joe Stark making the rounds today. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like everybody's getting COVID shots and everybody's getting poked by Joe Stark as well. So that's, that's nice. I heard, oh, I heard, I heard Rebecca. There's Rebecca. Welcome, Rebecca. I was on mute because I was not introduced, so I keep quiet until I'm introduced. <laughs> oh, wow. Listen to you over there. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Um, I'm feeling a little left out. Um, Joe didn't even call me. Not a text. Uh, not a, you know, what you doing? You up? No, nothing. <laughs> I, I feel a little, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little hurt. Hashtag new phone. Who dis? Oh my I god! Really? Jeez. I, all right, that's fine. That's yeah. all right, though. <laughs> call me maybe. More like call me never. Wow, that was yeah. A, I know. What the fuck, I Joe? Just, uh, man, I don't know. Hey, uh, Winkler, did you get fucked by Joe this weekend? Uh, Joe might have had his way with Paul and Tristan, but I had my way with him, my friend. Oh fuck! Wow. <laughs> wow. Mike's a dom. Wow. <laughs> Mike's like, I'm not subbing it this week. No way. (laughs) Subway, eat Joe's ass. Okay, I don't. (laughs) Joe, I apologize to Joe Stark right now. This is so fucked up. (laughs) This is so fucked up. This is, you know, what's the worst about it? None of this is consensual. No, Joe had no idea we were going to be talking about this. Oh my gosh, this whole, this whole podcast is just, we're all, but we're all Pepe Le Pews. Every last one of us. Oh man. Every. Oh man. Well, we, man, we got a full house, don't we? So, oh, yeah. Somebody say something about Stamos or something. Come on. I was trying to sing <laughs> the theme song. I know, you know. Have mercy. Aunt, Be- Aunt Becky's in jail. Is she still in jail or did she get released? She got, she got released. Out. She got out. Didn't she? Yeah. yeah, she served like two seconds on her, on her sentence. <laughs> you sound really upset that you want, you want, Aunt, you want Aunt Becky in there for a long time, don't you, Rebecca? I, I would, uh, yes, I would. That's the, that's I the, would. that's the justice that Rebecca seeks. I would, I would, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'm trying to pick my words here. I don't want to get into. Uh, okay. All right, all right. We're done. I would. We're done. I, I We're done. Anything. That's why I said I'm picking my words. All right. Carefully. All right. <laughs> yeah, put, put put down put down the keyboard, keyboard warrior. Uh, no, no, no. I have a soapbox, oh. not a keyboard. Yeah, put that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <Get> right. <laughs> I have a portable soapbox. I carry it with me and just put it out every once in a while and 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 get on my soapbox and, and say a speech. But I'm not going to do that here, of course. All right. There's. A, I want to play that. There's a song. Every once in a while, I'll play a song where I've misheard the lyrics. Uh, there's a song I miss. I misheard the lyrics when I was young, and I was like, "Why is this?" I'm gonna let me play a little bit of it, and then I'll get back to it here. Here, well, hold on. Here we go. This is men at work. It's a mistake. Okay, hold on. Here we go. Don't 
He's not the only one saying it's a mistake. It's a mistake. It's a mistake. All right, he's saying it's a mistake for years. I thought he was saying it's a moose dick. And like I had no idea <laughs> why this guy was singing about a moose penis. Hold on. Listen to it again. Listen to it again with the knowledge I have provided. He's not the only one saying it's a mistake. It's a mistake. <laughs> It's a mistake. It's a mistake. You really got into it there. It's a mistake. <laughs> oh yeah. Where does your mind go, man? Uh, to apparently to uh, wilderness penis. Canada. <laughs> yeah. Bullwinkle <laughs> porn. Wonder if Joe had his way with a moose dick this weekend too. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Again, I apologize. You, he went full built. <laughs> we call it full bullwinkle. Is what we call no, that. <laughs> yeah. For, for for the longest time, I thought he was talking about a moose dick. <laughs> I'm sure you're not the only one who thought that. Had no idea it was a song by Men at Work about the Cold War. And uh thought he was singing about a moose dick. <laughs> I don't know why. So put context to it. I know. It's a great fucking song too. Really yeah, good song. It's a really good song. Yeah. I I I enjoy the band Men at Work. I love their um. Oh, of course. Now I did the name of the song went out of my head. Um, Safety dance. You're big. Yeah. Thank you. The name of the song went out of my head because they use the word Vegemite in those in the in the song. Oh God. Pretty amazing to do. I love that song so much. Don't you? Oh my just god! Me a Vegemite sandwich. I mean, it's just a great song. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Not as good though as Toto talking about um, the Serengeti. I mean, you put you put the word Serengeti in a song. Too. I think that's very clever. I like when artists do that. Yeah, do you think it, you think it's like they got uh, a list of words on a on a dartboard and they're just like, ah, oh, fuck, it landed on Serengeti. You're up, John. Why not? Work it in. Like, work, work, it in. It in. <laughs> work it in, John. Is that something you guys said with Joe Stark? Work it in this weekend. Is that something that was? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> work it in. And then we when they heard Tristan spit on his hands. Anyway. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. I, I apologize. I again, again, I am sorry, <laughs> Tristan. I, I, I think Tristan's not even on the call at this point. He's like, fuck this. Okay, he, he's like, fuck this. I'm done. I, I'm. <laughs> peace out, Moose Dick boy. I'm gone. <laughs> I got an email here. First one, uh, I actually got a couple emails. First one is from Chris from the band Volk, and they have a new single out. And Chris writes, uh, hey, Brian and Jake, thanks for letting folks know about Volk's new single and music video, Atlanta Dog. The title is a reference to a drug concoction that almost killed country legend Waylon Jennings. 
watch Mike Judge's Tales from the Tour Bus episode on it. It's a Tupperware. Our song and the music video jokes that we don't need drugs to get fucked up. We have the modern music industry and the grind of the road for that. It's all worth it, though, for the joy of playing live music and making awesome new friends along the way. Hopefully, Jacob Harmon catches the Steve Earle reference. We hope the Leftover Army enjoys the song slash video and they get excited for live music coming back. Keep wearing masks and getting vaccines. Can't wait for C2E2. We typically play Reggie's when we play Chicago, but let us know if there is a more convenient location. What should Volk cosplay as? Hmm. Hmm. Maybe a moose penis? I, I don't know. What do you guys oh. think? Oh, sh- oh, fuck you, Winkler! As Joe started. <laughs> <laughs> no, no answers. I was no. Gonna s- what do you I say? I was going to say maybe they shouldn't play the uh, venue we went to or the place we went to the last night at C2E2 this past year. But, um,. We'll find a nice spot for him. I'm yeah. definitely going to go. Oh, I can't wait. Are, are we doing the December one? That's going to be so rough. Yeah. That's going to be rough as anything. I don't even know if we... I, I don't know if I can make it. I Just because it's like so... I mean, every it's, it's so close to Christmas and the end of the year and all that. It's just going to be rough. Yeah, I don't know. That's going to be like a game time decision for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know about that one. But, uh, yeah, I will, uh, I will insert the, uh, the video link in the show notes. I feel like I have insulted half of the guests on this podcast already and everyone is scared to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. This is going to be a bad one. Oh no. (laughs) No. Uh, also got an email here, uh, from listener, and she's a, uh, Patreon, uh, a PCL Patreon, and, uh, she says, it's her name's Taryn, she says, hi, Bri, haven't reached out in a while, hope you enjoy feedback emails, I love listening to you, and wanted to write in to say, I'm so happy to hear you mention, your mention of Jessica Walters and Arrested Development, I haven't heard any talk about her, and our Lucille Bluth will be remembered fondly, so excited to hear of your love for the show. It's still my number one and get so bummed when I try to joke about it and it falls flat. My current work login is Taryn, Mr. Manager. Thought you might get a kick out of that. No one else does. LOL. Uh, goes on to say, glad to see you on clubhouse too. Perhaps we will cross paths one day. Do you ever talk? Do you ever do talks on there? I hope to hear you. If you do keep up the amazingly funny, fun and informative podcast. You keep me entertained with what to watch next. Love you guys, especially you. Dot dot dot. Big crush, but I I'll bet all the listeners crush on you. Love Taryn, and I uh, just want to let everybody know that I have uh, put out a restraining order on Taryn. So. Uh, P.S. What's your mailing address? I have some goodies to send, and so actually, I I gave her my address. She sent me something. I'm going to open up here in a mo- in, the, in a moment. Um, yeah, you would be surprised that uh, there's that, that at the at the lack of romantic interest there is for a Z-list podcaster. So, <laughs> okay, let me open up the gift that she sent. All right, woo. 
Okay. Got some comics here. Bart Simpson comic. Oh, some Simpsons comics. Oh, these are all the... Uh, we got Treehouse of Horror, Simpsons comics. Oh, these are awesome. Thank you so much. The Big Bratty Book of Bart Simpson, The Road to Civil War, The Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. These are so cool. Yeah, I don't have any Simpsons comics, so that's awesome. What else did she send me? Awkward Family Photos. And on the front, it's got a, <laughs> I'll have to post this on the PCL Twitter and Facebook page because it got a guy dressed in a black vest with no shirt underneath and it says, rock your body. She sent me a little note here. This guy told me to send you a message. He says, step one, we can have lots of fun. <laughs> step two, there's so much we can do. <sighs> Hope you enjoy the comics and that comes from, that goes from Taryn. Thank you, Taryn. Thank you for being a Patriot patron and sending that. That made my fucking day. So thank you. It's really sweet. Do you know that every time I hear step by step now, I I cannot I cannot listen to it without laughing hysterically. <laughs> every time it comes up in my shuffle, yeah, I just real. start laughing and I'm just like, oh God, you ruined this all for me. We can have lots of fun. Is he getting a fucking lobotomy while he's singing that? Oh What's going God. on? Oh, hilarious. <laughs> some guy, some guy's like drilling into his skull as he's singing that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, he's like, he's smelling his skull burning in that moment. <laughs> we can have lots of fun. <laughs> All right, Danny. We got Danny out of the way in step one. All right, guys. I feel good about this song. Let's get Danny out of the way real fast. You know what I think about when I'm having a bad day? And this is... (laughs) is, I'm excited. In my head recently, if I've been having a bad day, and I'm just feeling shitty. This is what's been cheering me up. And it's just images. It's like these little images in my head that tell me a story. And I just, I fucking, <laughs> I just can't stop giggling about it. And uh, recently we've had Neil on the podcast. And if you know Neil, if you've hung out with Neil, you know Neil's energy. And uh, it's it, he's got an amazing energy and I fucking love Neil. But Neil has gotten on the podcast recently and he's, you know, talked about how he started his own garden. Uh, so he started gardening, you know. Uh, while the pandemic is going on and, and, uh, I've been, I've been th- having these images of Neil in his garden and like out there and wearing like, like a, like a, like a little bonnet on his head. He's like, with like little gardening shears and he's like, doing shit with plants and he's got little butterflies landing on the end of his finger and and (laughs) and then you know neil likes to drink and so then he starts to drink and starts to starts to talk with the plants and then it kind of devolves into like it's late at night and he's just kind of like laying in the grass I know it's weird. He's 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 laying in the grass and he's talking to like a patch of mint, 
and uh <laughs> and, and then and then it gets to the point where it's like you know they're really bonding and he's like do you want to get out of here and like they they <laughs> he like rips up the mint and they go out and <laughs> start walking down the street and talking and then continues to drink and then you know as you drink sometimes you can get depressed and then the mint dies it starts wilting and <laughs> and now, <laughs> and now you've got neil like bent down crying and like just you know kind of like he's holding the mint like it's fucking gwen stacy's neck after she's been <laughs> snapped her neck at the end of the amazing spider-man 2 yeah, <laughs> bro. If this is what you think about when you're having a bad day, yeah, dude. It's but in my head, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Neil. Oh my god, I love you, Neil. Uh, it just it really brightens my day. It really brightens my day. That's and, fucking sick, man. Dude, there might be a part in this where he he's he's basically streaking with the mint. <laughs> so him and the mint go streaking. <laughs> I love that it's mint. <laughs> the whole herb garden, man. We got to get joining the others, man. Basil, thyme. Mm. Basil, thyme. What else? Oh, we got some parsley. Rocket some parsley. Fresh oregano. 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 What? Whoa, whoa! Why'd you say it like that? Who says it like that? <laughs> That sounded slightly racist. <laughs> no, I'm not racist. Dude, I, how do you, how, how can one say oregano racist? I was trying to mimic how you said it, but yeah. apparently I didn't do a very good job. If you thought I was being racist, no, I I really don't feel like you're racist against any plants, I don't know, herbs. I don't know. <laughs> He's not racist. He eats oregano every day. Oh, is that, yeah. dude! I I've had plenty of oregano. Okay, yeah, you know how many oregano? My best friend my, my cabinet. Yeah, we're not going to talk over each other on this one. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> let's jump into this week's episode of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But first, we got a little game yeah. to play. We got a little game to play, and that game is in honor of great duos like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I like to play theme songs of great duos from the 70s, 80s, and 90s when it comes to theme songs of TV shows. And this week is no different. This is a fantastic duo. Got to think a little bit about this one. Let me go ahead and play this one for you. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Or Paul. Possibly Tristan. Probably not Mike. About 20 seconds left. Come on. (laughs) 
Gases. We got any gases? <laughs> okay, I th- I think I know what it is. Yeah. But I might be wrong. Uh-huh. And I... If I'm wrong, I'm going to kick myself because it's a very familiar song. But does someone else want to guess? I, I don't want to. I don't want to go first if someone else think if, if someone else really knows it. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is Twenty One Jump Street. Oh God, you're so wrong. No, it's <laughs> not Twenty One Jump Street. <laughs> no, no, that was Twenty One Jump Street. Who's the Who's the duo in in Twenty One? Is it Is it Johnny Depp and and uh, and Peter DeLuise? Or would it be because Richard Grieco came in later seasons? Or would it be what was her name, Holly? Oh, Holly, Holly Robinson, yeah. Yeah. Um, Holly Robinson Pete, yeah. Holly Robinson Pete, yes. The, um, I don't know. There wasn't really a duo on that show. You got to think about this duo for this one. You got to really think about it. Okay. I'm going to take a shot. I, I I might be wrong. Is it Airwolf? You got it. It's fucking oh, Airwolf. Oh, my fucking God. I can't believe it. You got you're the first fucking person to get it right, Airwolf, and oh and and the the duo is actually uh, Jan Michael Vincent as Stringfellow Hawk and Airwolf, the actual fucking the helicopter. That's the other part of the duo. Oh, okay, okay. Let me tell you something. I am not gonna lie. This week I listened to like TV theme songs <laughs> on YouTube. Oh. I like listened to. Uh, like Remington Steel, and I listen to like anything I can think of as a duo in my head. I said, I'm gonna listen and see, but I did not. Pick, I didn't even think about this one. This was really just I. I was like 90 percent sure it was Airwolf. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You, you fucking I. I pasta. Good job. <laughs> oh, is the pasta still on the table, Rebecca? Do you want the you want you do you want some cascatelli pasta? Dude, if you're willing to part with one, with one package, I will humbly accept. I'll but, send you. I'll send you a box of cascatelli. Oh, you're the best. I'll oh my gosh! <laughs> Did you get it in yet? <laughs> no, it takes three months. I got, oh, oh my god! I got. I got to say that last week. I just didn't know if you were exaggerating. No, I'm 100 serious. You go to the website. It tells you there's the three month wait on that shit, man. That's fucked. Yeah. So, so sometime in the fall, I'm gonna open my mail and be like. <laughs> Ryan sent me pasta. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, uh, oh my god, are we actually going to be able to talk about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier this week? No one watched. <laughs> oh my god! Which is ironic because episode four was titled "The World Is The Whole World Is Watching," and like literally, no one watched it last week except for me. Which so the irony there. For shy and Dan. Oh man, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, episode four. We're going to talk a little bit about episode four, and then we'll jump into the latest episode, episode five. But episode four was uh, directed by Carrie Scoglin. She's directing the entire series, and it was written by Derek Colstad from you know John Wick fame um i felt like this episode i really liked it quite a bit but like as far as like the action was concerned it wasn't quite on the same level as uh you know the previous one with the fights in madripoor and everything um but um i did but i did love the dora milaje fight i thought that that was fantastic um but uh what did you guys think about the whole world is watching episode four uh i want to hear from paul yeah um 
I'm going to give it a Tupperware because of the door because of what you just said. And also, I mean, that ending scene just was something I was not expecting to see in the MCU. And I just thought the whole episode was riveting. And that final scene alone just is what sealed it for a Tupperware for me. Are you talking about the death of, Le, uh, of Lamar and then him going off on, uh, on yes. the flag smasher? Yes. With the blood on the shield. I was just, so upset to see I don't know about you guys, but I was kind of super upset to see Lamar Hoskins die. He was starting to like turn a corner. I was really getting behind him. Like he kind of seemed to be the voice of reason for John Walker. And he has the dreamiest eyes. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> have you, no, have you, you know. looked into his eyes? Jesus Christ, he's got dreamy eyes. I could look into those eyes every week. <laughs> I just want a Lamar I mean, Hoskins <laughs> show where I could look at his dreamy fucking eyes. Jesus, beautiful <laughs> eyes on Lamar Hoskins. Oh my god! <laughs> well, I, I was trying to like him, like you said. Yeah, I was too. But I think like this is this is what was needed to like push, you know, Walker over the edge. I kept thinking going into the next episode, I was really shocked. I, I, we're going to be bouncing all over the place, but I was really shocked in the next episode. I thought that the government was going to try to find a way to kind of cover this up. To make it look like he had to do this, you know, even though it was all out there, I, I thought that they were going to try to find a way to cover this up. I was really shocked by the next episode and what happened and what unfolded. So, um, Rebecca, what did you think about uh, episode four? So um, I definitely agree that it, it probably was not the best action scenes Um I don't think they were terrible by any means, but I, we've seen like other like sort of more high, high action stuff. But for me personally, episode four has been my favorite episode of this series so far. Um, a lot of that has to do with the Zora Milaje being there. Um, I really like how they played around with a lot of the iconic movements and imagery involving the shield. So like, when they're fighting John Walker and like the shields on the ground and, and one of the Dora Milaje like steps on the shield, like, like Steve used to, and like it bounces up and she just grabs it. I thought that was great. Um, I, I just, I, I do think that ending shot with the blood on the shield. I mean, it was like shocking. Like I had goosebumps. It was so just completely shocking to see that. And, and, Right. And like, to, especially for John Walker being like, um, you know, don't you, don't you know who I am? And, and, uh, I'm Captain America. And, um, so yeah, I, for me, all of those elements together, um, and, and then too, like, even when they, uh, d- disarmed literally Bucky by like hitting those buttons and like his arm falls off. I, I thought that was a neat thing that they had built in. It's sort of like the whole Batman keeping a piece of kryptonite with him at all times, just in case. Like it, it was really, really cool. I liked that they did that. Um, yeah. So for me personally, I, I thoroughly enjoyed episode four very much. I would also give it a Tupperware. If I was Bucky uh, and that happens to me and it did, I wouldn't, I I would be super insulted honestly. Like like you were you were helping me, you 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 know, you've been trying to, you know, rid me of like being the winter soldier and I thought I've bonded with you and the Wakandans, but there's still like this level of distrust because they put that in kind of like mm-hmm. this 
You know what I mean? Yeah, so like, if I was able, yeah. I would say you're the fucking winter soldier. You killed like a thousand people. No, no, no. I, I no, I'm saying I'm like, I'm trying to look at it from both sides here. I understand that. Yeah. I understand that completely. Yeah. But if I'm Bucky and that happens, I'm like, can I not win? Can, will I never win over anyone's trust again? Will anyone, will no one ever believe me again that they have to do this? So I thought it was really, I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really interesting. Um, yeah. I love the, I love the rocket memes, you know, um, of, you know, rocket oh, yeah. getting the arm and everything. But, um, what did, uh, yeah, what did you think, Winkler? Um, I really loved it. Uh, it was probably my favorite episode, uh, of the season up to there, at least. Um, although I agree, like, that the action wasn't, like, as ramped up, I thought the quality of the action was just awesome. Like, you brought up with the, uh, Dormelage fight. Like, that was some of the best, like, you know, choreography and stuff, and them being just so badass. And, um, also, the flashback scene with, uh, Bucky. I thought that was just stellar. I thought Sebastian Stan did a really good job. It was short, but it was really sweet, man. Like, he mm-hmm. he put it all out there. And uh, when she said those words, you know, you're kind of thinking, like, all right, what's going to happen? And for him to be able to, like, hold that off, and she kind of tells him he's free, the relief, you could just see it come over his face. Like, he's finally not controlled by Hydra anymore. And I thought that was, like, super powerful. But um, during the, uh, the Melage fight, the door Melage fight, when... Um, John Walker is kind of like defeated and he's talking to Lamar and he's like, they weren't even super soldiers. But you kind of got to realize that like the Dormelage are kind of as close to super soldiers as you can get. Like, you know what I mean? They're not just any scrubs out here. These are like, they were going one-on-one or, you know, like two-on-one with like Killmonger and Black Panther. Like these guys are the real deal. So he shouldn't feel that ashamed that he got beat up by him. But um, I thought it was awesome. And I also thought it was super cool about how you had the viewers kind of guessing when he took, like, the serum, if he took the serum, or, you know, what was going on with that. So I thought that brought a also a really cool uh, aspect to the episode. So, yeah, I loved it. That's yeah. Tupperware. Yeah. You like the Dora Milaje. Would you watch a show called Dora the Explorer Milaje? <laughs> she just beats the fuck out of Swiper. <laughs> Swipe that bitch. <laughs> what do you think, Justin? Um, yeah, I gotta agree that this episode, episode number four, um, was a tough word for me. And I have to say that out of the Disney Plus shows, when we count the Mandalorian season one, two. WandaVision and this, I would say that this is one of the best episodes that I've seen out of those series. I just really rank it that high. It didn't have the, you know, um, monumental action scene like, for instance, episode one and two. But I I think it was just a far superior episode than episode one and two. And that first scene in Wakanda, um, I call it budget Wakanda because you you didn't see like Wakanda, Wakanda. they were like kind of in the woods. Um, but like, it was just one of the, the best, I just standalone MCU scenes that I've seen. And I think Sebastian Stan's performance was just excellent. Um, seeing that he's finally being released of this burden and, um, yeah, just overall it was just a wonderful episode. I thought they were really doing a great job, um, having that scene with, uh, Carly and Sam just showing, um, Anthony Mackie kind of transitioning into that, 
Captain America role, you know, where he just kind of can really get to someone's heart and speak to them. Um, you know, I think Wyatt Russell's performance was, was amazing. Like, I think he's just a really great choice for this role. You know, the fact that he can come in there and, and be so conflicted and, and, you know, you know, at the heart of it, he's a good guy, you know, but you, you don't completely hate him, but you just, you just don't like him, you know? And, and you can kind of see where he's, where, you know, where he struggles and understand him, but at the same time, you don't like him. That's a, a really complex figure to play. And that very final shot at the end that we we're talking about with the shield and the blood, I think if there was like an MCU museum and you could just take stills of just the best moments in the MCU, I think that would be one of them. Yeah. Yeah. That was powerful. Oh my God. That was fucking powerful. That yeah. scene. Oh my God. Yeah, I thought. Have I thought, any of you guys ever had Turkish delight? I have. <laughs> Me too. I've had it. I didn't like it, to be honest with it's, you. It's not that good, person. I didn't think it's that good. Either. Everyone says it fucking sucks. I, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Like, it must be like one of those like European candies, like where they never had like a Snickers before. No shit. She, she's <laughs> at fucking Baron Zemo's acting like Bob Saget's willing to suck dick for Turkish delight. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I've always wondered, ever since I read Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, I've always wondered what it tasted like. I was actually, I was at a store, and they had it there. And so I was like, holy fuck, Turkish Delight, I'm going to buy it. And I think it was like, and I don't know if it's like the best Turkish Delight. I mean, I don't know if I went to like a real like candy store, if it would have been any better. But I didn't really care for it, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was just ready to blow someone over it. Yeah, no shit. I fucking, I loved this episode. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I loved episode four. I thought it was really good. And I mean, as far as, uh, Carly Morgenthau, um, I mean, we're just from someone that I thought was going to be maybe like a more sympathetic character. I think she's, I feel like she's going full villain at this point to where she thinks she's doing the right thing, but like she's willing to sacrifice other people. I mean, she threatens Sarah and her kids over the phone. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we're just seeing a lot more of this character being, uh, very threatening and, um, willing to, I mean, basically she's, she she is a terrorist at this point. So, um, what's interesting about her character is when Sam confronts her about that, and says, you know, you called my sister, you threatened, and she was like, I wouldn't have hurt that. Like, it, like she is like almost incredulous that he would accuse her of of harming his sister and her yeah. children, and and it's like, well, how else are we supposed to take this? Like, you're like, well, I'm not really going to hurt them, but you had no problem to get enough details on her life to know where she was, where she was talking to you, the names of her kids. Like, that is not a casual thing, but in her mind, it's like, oh, it was just a tactic, whatever, and. And in her mind, I, I just, I don't think she sees herself as that bad of a person. I mean, no, yeah. no villain ever does, of course, but she doesn't think she's that bad of a person and that her, her, in her mind, whatever she does justifies her cause. And, um, yeah. but that, that's Carly, not necessarily true. Yeah. Yeah. I think Carly's wrestling with who she was before the serum and who she is after. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. I think you're spot on with that. She, I think she's horrified at times of what she's become. 
Well, and yeah. well, Dr. Erskine in Captain America, the first Avenger, and we talked about this last week, uh, you know, now the week before Erskine basically said like it enhances like your, your personality traits, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you, you might not, I mean, it, you'll, and that's, and, and even Lamar Hoskins kind of like alluded to it. Like you become more of like who you are, but like, I think it can enhance like the good or the bad. And I think for her, it's like, it's enhancing like her bad evil motives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was most alarming for me was how the other flag smashers were acting towards her as like us as viewers are seeing her kind of deteriorate into like a villain. All the other flag smashers are kind of like questioning, like, like when she blew up the building and, and she killed a few people. The guy, the uh, guy in the car, I don't know if they said his name. Uh, apologies if they did, but he was like, yo, there were people inside of there. Like, I think they're starting to see that she might be losing sight of what they at least signed up for. Yeah. 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 I, no, I agree. Do you think, uh, Carly is going to survive the season? No. That's hard to say. I mean, I can't really see how she survives because a super soldier just can't be held in a regular prison, you know, and, it just seems like she has to die at this point. Yeah, I feel yeah, like, like if it wasn't for Bucky being, because look how long it took Bucky uh, um, for them to, you know, kind of clear him of his stuff. Like, and that's because all the Avengers like loved him. That's because Steve Rogers loved him. Like they took the time and did that. If not, he'd have been long dead. Yeah. Uh, let's move into episode five, which just recently dropped. This was, uh, directed by, again, Carrie Scoglin and written by Delon Musan. And, um, you guys have been raving about the last episode and I thought it was fantastic. I think this episode for me was, I don't know if, I, if it was my favorite, but I think I got the most emotional in this episode for many different scenes, like one scene right after the next in this one, it felt like I was getting super emotional, um, from anything from like, you know, even, even things like, um, um, Zemo and Bucky talking with one another got me emotional. And then of course, like Isaiah Bradley and, um, you know, Sam having their discussion got me like really kind of like, thinking about how difficult it would be for, you know, Sam to take on the mantle of Captain America, you know, today, um, after finding out all about this stuff. So I, I, I thought the episode was fantastic. And then we did get the, we did get the big reveal of the character that had been teased throughout, you know, last week that we were going to get, you know, this, this, this character that we've not seen in the MCU before, but it's an MCU character played by, a, you know, a prominent actor that's won awards and blah, 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 blah. I knew it was a female actor and I, I had heard that online. And, uh, we got the big reveal of, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus as Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, Madam Hydra. And, um, I want to know what you guys thought about this episode and about, you know, yeah, just tell me what you thought about the episode. And of course, I want to know what you guys thought about Madam Hydra. Uh, so what did you think, Tristan? Um, overall, yeah, this was a, another Tupperware for me. Um, I don't think I liked it more than episode four, but it's just a notch below for me. As far as just the character development, I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was great to just kind of take a pause and that's, one of the beauties of these Disney Plus series, something that you're not afforded in the movies, you can just sort of take 
take a moment to just kind of breathe with the characters. And that's, that's a real advantage here, you know, and I think it's uh, overall just a, a wonderful episode as far as showing the dynamic between Bucky and Sam um, when they're tossing the shield. I love how they're getting closer and understanding each, each other more. Um, the scene with um, Isaiah and, uh, and Sam was just very, very powerful. I thought that was handled and written so well. The easy way that you could have written that scene would just be Isaiah saying, yeah, Sam, take the shield and, you know, be a black Captain America. But it was so great to see the nuance in the black community because that's exactly how it would go. You know, you would have the old uh, disgruntled black guy who's been through some shit saying, fuck that shield. You know, you should never be Captain America. And here's the more, you know, the younger guy who's kind of grown up in the modern age who has a little bit more hope and just seeing that conflict there. And even though, you know, seeing Sam go against what Isaiah advised him to do, I thought that was brilliant too, because it's like, it's, it's basically um, giving deference to all the different perspectives that people would have um, and, and playing it out as it, as it should. You know, I think, I think it would just really have been a flaw in Marvel's part to just have Sam just take up the shield and become Captain America. There would be a lot of inner conflict. There would be people telling him not to, and then others telling him to do it. And yeah, it was just handled so well. Um, the cinematography in this episode was great. There's a lot of great stills too. I'm so proud of that director, um, Carrie Scoglin. I think she's amazing doing a series like this. It's just, I know she did like uh, uh, Handmaids and stuff like that, but she's, she's a top-notch director after watching this series. I, I just really love her work. And um, as far as um, Julia Louise Dreyfus, I don't know too much about the contested character. Um, you know, it was... It, it, Came, the scene came out of left field for me. I think um, there was rumors or something that she was supposed to have been introduced in Black Widow or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there was a there yeah. was a, there was an article that came out, and I think it was from Variety, and that the she they, they they're not a hundred percent, but they're basically I don't know if it's speculation or if they've heard, but uh, they said that she was first going to appear in Black Widow. And they don't know if she's still going to appear in Black Widow. I w- we'll get to that. We can get to that. We'll talk about that. But yeah, that is something that's been coming up this week. Yeah, yeah. She's a, um, I mean, an interesting character. I mean, it seems like a someone that's in the vein of an Agatha Harkness who we're going to be seeing for quite some time, who's going to be pulling strings behind the scenes. Yeah, so I'm interested to see where things go. But yeah, overall, I, I love the episode. I think this series. I'm getting everything I want from this series and I'm not disappointed at all. Okay. So is, uh, is just, yeah, let, let, I'm going to get everybody's thoughts here about the episode. What'd you think, Mike? Yeah, I agree, man. I thought it was a Tupperware. Um, I think this show is just like Tristan just said, this is exactly what we wanted. And I think they're executing it flawlessly. Um, one of my favorite scenes, I think of the whole series was right off the bat when uh, we got uh, John Walker kind of coming to terms with what happened, having like flashbacks of Lamar dying and everything. And that fight scene with Bucky and Sam where the shit seriously like gets awesome in that fight scene. Like there's a lot of sick shit going on. John Walker rips off the wings. I thought that was like super like, I don't know. I just thought that was really important, especially for where the show I feel like is heading. And then when Bucky kind of gets the shield, 
which they had to literally like snap his arm to get it. And then he kind of lays it down by Sam and walks off. Cause that's all Bucky wanted to do this whole time is get the shield back and get it to Sam, who he feels is the rightful kind of captain America. I thought that was really powerful. And, uh, I agree that the uh, scenes with Isaiah were just out of this world. I thought it was really important to hear kind of what he went through. And uh, it's just, you know, it's fucked up to hear that, like, Captain America was doing some of the same stuff that Isaiah was doing. And he got, you know, locked up for it, tested on. And to say that he just wanted to stay dead is just, I don't know, it was just fucked up man you fell for him but um i really like the buddy buddy aspect of uh bucky and sam kind of working together on the boat and then uh training together and as well as the suitcase that he gets from zemo or i'm sorry that he gets from wakanda he called in the favor and uh what do you guys think are we in agreement that that at the end of the episode when he opens it up it might be his new suit it's the new suit yeah i yeah. it's uh it's 100% the new suit because I don't know if I should say it. I've already said it on Discord, but spoilers. If you don't want to hear what it is, just <laughs> fast forward. But um, spoilers in one, two, three. Yeah, the Legends toys have probably already spoiled this. It's the it's the suit. It looks like the suit from the comics. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah, figured. Yeah. I've known about the red, this. white, and blue ones. Yeah, I've known about this since like episode two. Like this got leaked a long time ago. These legends toys, and I just haven't said anything on the episodes. But uh, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely the suit, and it might be. A, think are gonna be? It might right. be a new Red Wing as well. So I think it, it it's yeah, the man. suit, and they, it might be a a new Red Wing too. But it's it, we'll see if Red Wing comes back. I I, I could be wrong oh. about that. One last thing real quick. Um, and also, I'm in a Tupperware, obviously. But um, I thought it was awesome when he gave, I think, Torres his name, when he gave him the wings and said, do what you want with them, which that's an awesome setup for him, essentially, maybe, you know. Oh, yeah. In the comics, he's, the next, yeah. he's the Falcon. So, yeah, he yep. takes over the so Falcon. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Rebecca? Yeah, I like this episode a lot. Um, I'm also going to give it a, a Tupperware. I I. I don't think I liked it more than episode four. It does. I mean, I certainly didn't hate this episode by any means. Um, the scene with um, Sam talking to Isaiah. I mean, Tristan said it so eloquently. Um, just one thing I wanted just to add to what what was already said was that it's amazing how much Isaiah's life really parallels Steve Rogers' life. Like. He, he talked about, you know, meeting the love of his life and um, then losing her, right? I mean, obviously, Steve and, and Peggy got separated differently, but um, – and then how sad it was that, you know, they told her that he died in jail and uh, while he was in jail, then she passed away and he had all these letters, which, like, somebody basically smuggled to him. Um, and then even the thing where um, some of the other – um, men who had gotten the serum without their permission or knowing they were in a POW camp and he he did just what Steve did in the first Avenger. He went behind he went and got those guys out and brought them back. And um yet while Steve was like got all the accolades and oh my god he's amazing. Look at this Captain America. Isaiah was just treated like shit and thrown in jail and made a criminal and and it because he was black. I mean it was such a 
one of the most powerful scenes I, I've ever seen. And a lot of this episode had to do with really both Bucky and Sam sort of having their own aha moments, as Oprah likes to say. But like, even for St- for Sam, with him, you know, trying to wrestle with what he does with the shield next, and his sister being like, are you done? I think it was his, his sister says to him, are you done letting people tell you how how you're supposed to act? how you're supposed to be. You know, the government's telling him to give up the shield. Steve is giving him the shield saying, here, you're the next Captain America. Then you have, you know, Isaiah who's telling him no self-respecting black man would want to be Captain America. And and he's like, well, where do I fall in all of this? And he has to find his own path. He has to find his own way and be true to himself. And so does Bucky. But Bucky needs to he even talks about the book that he has that like used to be Steve's and he's crossing names off and, and Sam is trying to help him be like, you're not really making amends. You're just avenging what you did. And that's two different things. And um, this episode had so much character development and I love the training montage. I thought that was just, I love a good training montage though. I'm a sucker for one of those. And it was just great. Um, Yeah. A really, really great heartfelt emotional episode. Um, Just really great writing all around. So yeah. uh, uh, Also a Tupperware for me. I don't know if you noticed though, that like when, when Sam's doing all the parkour, you can see the stunt doubles face really. Oh yeah. Yeah, you can. It's, yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> he went full captain. I thought it was funny because you were just talking about that with Terminator. I know. Yeah. He, I don't know. And, and, and I, I do think the, uh, the parkour moves, they look cool, but are they necessary? Yes, they're necessary. <laughs> I, I beg to differ. Watch. I, I beg, I beg to differ. <laughs> I don't think you have to do all that flashy shit. <laughs> I don't think properly catch the shield. You need to do a backflip. Yeah, you know, you don't need in order to dual wield a lightsaber. You don't need to flip all over the goddamn place, and you don't need to flip all over the goddamn place when you hold a shield. I must say, it was satisfying though to see him fumbling the shield multiple times because Mm -hmm. it just seemed like anyone who handles that shield was just a, a pro at it, and I could. It was great to just see someone that had to actually learn how to to wield it and, and catch it. I want to know who made the shield case. The little bag. Is, is that a thing? It's like a burlap sack. Yeah, is that a thing? Is it? Do, are there shield bags? Does somebody, does, does like, does like, does like Wilson, that company Wilson or like Champion, does Champion make, make shield bags? <laughs> what'd you what'd you what'd you think about the shield bag paul what'd you think about this episode shield bag was fucking awesome i feel like uh you know maybe they got it from the bob ross store too like for his canvas uh <laughs> take his canvases with them no this was this is up there um i really loved this episode it was very action light but man there's so many amazing moments that have been thoroughly discuss but what my favorite thing about this whole episode was kind of like you get this image of captain america and i think on the outside everyone just has this like assumption that he unites all of us and we really got to take a deeper examination into what does captain america actually mean to different people in america and it's very diverse opinions of some being Mm. all about it and like we found out that just so many you know there's people that are would be against someone like Sam, you know, Sam 
taking the shield and uh, Rebecca hit it perfect. He's in such a quite a conflict. I mean, he gets that it makes sense why he shouldn't, but he like I don't know if there was anyone that knew besides Peggy if there's anyone that knew Steve better than Sam. Like he knows the type of guy that Steve was, so to him he is gonna honor it. Um, I'll be a little bummed out if if, if this was Zemo's last appearance in the show because I have enjoyed him tremendously in this. I think Daniel Bruhl's been amazing, but then that mid credit scene just a complete mirror like a complete ass backwards version of uh tony in the cave yeah, yeah. making his arm where you hear the hammer and is he just making you know he's making something that's pretty much going to be the opposite of what iron man and captain america stood for and that was just one of the most chilling effective mid-credit scenes i've seen in a long time so i absolutely tupperware this episode i love the themes it got us thinking i love that bucky is such a ride or die friend to sam the whole community rallying around his family. It was just, it was a fun, great episode. Ah, Bucky. You think Bucky's going to fucky Sarah? Uh, <laughs> he wants to. He, he wants totally to. wants to. I think, she, I think she wants a little Bucky fucky action herself. <laughs> I swear she bit her lip when she saw him. So, yeah, I don't know. Hair up in the ponytail. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it looks like Wakanda top buckets and things, huh? <laughs> I think she's got her own list of words that she could say to him. That make him. Instead of the Winter Soldier, they'll call him the Summer Sausage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's talk about, I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about Bucky and I want to talk about his amends. And I, you know, we had a, the discussion, uh, with, uh, there was the talk between Sam and, and Bucky, not, you know, not, not making amends, but basically still avenging. Do you think in the last episode here, we're going to finally see Bucky confront, talk to, not confront, but talk to Yori about his, uh, his son? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think that's a great full circle bookend moment for the show. I mean, that's where we started. It just makes sense that that's where we'd end. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually, that's one of those things that I've been kind of like dreading because I love the friendship between those two. I wish we could have explored it a little bit more. It's not that kind of show, but I did love seeing those two together. I really did. Um, and I thought it was just a a fun dynamic between them because in a lot of ways they, you know, You know, Bucky, Bucky comes from an older time. And so like, it would make sense that he would hang out with a much older person. Um, and that's what I thought the relationship was about at first. And then when I watched the episode and I put the flashback together, I was like, Oh fuck. That's why, that's why he's hanging out with him. It's the guilt. The guilt is eating him and he wants to, you know, he does, he, he feels like he wants to tell him, but in a way he wants to make this guy's life better. But he knows that he's one of the reasons that this guy's life is worse now. And But like you can really see how this guilt affects every aspect of Bucky's life because early in the season we saw the girl who worked at the sushi restaurant, like she was totally into him. Like, oh, I get off at this time, you wanna come by, we'll have like we'll go out and do something. And he goes and he 
you know that he's lonely. You've got to know that he's lonely. I mean, his best friend, Steve, is who knows where. He's, you know, 100 plus years old. He's not Captain America anymore. And Sam is him and Sam hadn't really reconnected. He he doesn't have anybody in his life. And here's somebody who's clearly reaching out to make a connection and he can't do it. He cannot move past the guilt and the shame and the frustration and the anger and it's only until he can do that that Bucky can have like any kind of a semblance of a quality of life. And I think he knows that, but I think he's afraid to do it. And so that's why like this episode was so important because Bucky was, Sam was helping Bucky sort of come to that realization that he's got to do more or do different things to, to move past it. What's I mean, what do we think in Yuri's reaction is going to be? I think he's yeah, be good. It, it might my, my gut reaction. I don't know why I'm thinking this. I feel like he's going to say, I know. Oh, wow. Wow. I, 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 I'm totally in your camp, Paul. I, I have that same feeling of him saying, I already knew that. I and know. I forgive I, you. Yeah. I, I really, wow. you know what? I think that's exactly oh, wow. what's going to happen. And I think it's going to be a real, just a beautiful moment. I would love yeah. that, man. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great if if if, um, if he's actually just waiting for Bucky to apologize. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. You knew all along. Yeah, I think he's going to say, I to... know and I forgive sorry. you. I'm sorry, Mike. No, 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 my bad. Uh, I was just saying when um, he was on that date, like Rebecca was talking about, and he left abruptly and went to go talk to him, and you think, like, okay, like, now is going to be the time. And then when he opens the door, he's like, hey, man, like, it's late. Like, everything all right? And he kind of has that moment where he has, like, that flashback and he's staring at the picture and then just kind of, like, makes up an excuse and, like, walks away. And um, before he shuts the door, he kind of, like, looks at the picture and looks back. And I don't know. I'm Now that you said that, I think maybe he could, like, have a feeling about that. Oh man, I I would love that because I've really I love those two guys together and like mm-hmm. I love that friendship and that dynamic between them and I would hate to see Yori. Yeah, he has every right to hold it against him though. But like, totally. oh man, yeah, that it, would be it, powerful. It, it would be really heartbreaking if Bucky tells him and Yuri's like, "You ruined my life. Get out of my house. Don't ever talk." Oh. I mean, that I would just I would be sobbing if that happened because. There's they they do have a very beautiful friendship, and we only saw a a brief slice of it. But in that small slice, you just you get that these are two people who clearly care about each other. Oh yeah, and and and, and maybe Bucky just started out as like, let me befriend this old guy because I I feel bad about what I did to his son. But I feel like, and, and maybe it started out as just sort of like a little, maybe like okay, I have to do this, but now it's like, no, I really want to spend time with Yuri. Like, he's actually a really great guy. Like, I really enjoy spending time with him. And, um, yeah, I hope that I hope that, that continues. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Um, let's talk about uh, Madam Hydra here. We got Julia Louis-Dreyfus, you know, popping into this episode. I do think, you know, Variety hinted that she was going to be in Black Widow, and I do think that she still could show up in that movie. Um I feel like, you know, and I've, we've been alluding to this uh, throughout past episodes. Jake and I have been talking about the buildup to a Thunderbolts team. And I think that this could be the buildup to a Thunderbolts team. I don't necessarily think... 
she, I don't necessarily, I don't think that she's the power broker, but she may be working for the power broker. On the flip side, she could be the fucking power broker. She has ties in the comics to Madripoor. She's actually at one time, uh, been, uh, the leader in Madripoor, uh, to my knowledge in the comics. Um, she started off in the comics, um, she was created by Jim Steranko, who did a bunch of great shield stories. Um, but, uh, she she was a shield agent, a top shield agent, and then uh, I think her and Nick Fury had romantic feelings mm-hmm. towards one another at one time. Yeah, they, ha- they had a relationship in the comics. Yeah, and then later on down the the road, she she flipped over and became uh, an evil character, and then was in an organization called uh, Leviathan, and and so I I. I I don't know if she is the power broker. I think if anything, she's at least working for the power broker. Um, I'll talk about, you know, feelings I have there here in a moment. But um, here, yeah, Dark Horizons reported that uh, Dreyfus was slated to first appear in Black Widow, which was scheduled to debut in cinemas last May. So this second appearance has become her first. The outlet, however, says Marvel has bigger ambitions for her character, who has had various guises in the comics, the most famous being the Russian sleeper agent, Madame Hydra, along with being a love interest for Nick Fury and the leader of the all-female assault team, Femme Force. Uh, this has led to more speculation that Marvel is assembling the comic book supervillain team, the Thunderbolts, and Contessa's Black Widow appearance could be a dark mirror of the Iron Man post-credit scene with Fontaine recruiting Florence Pugh's Yelena. And I, that's what I've been saying, that she's going to either – yeah, that she's going to be recruiting uh, Yelena Belova. At the, I think she's going to get one of those fucking cards at the end of the movie, um, like in a post-credit scene or a mid-credit scene or something like that. I think also uh, the fact of Baron Zemo being sent to the raft by the Dora Milaje, the raft is controlled by Ross, General Ross. Mm-hmm. And so – I think that General Ross, who has been a member of the Thunderbolts as Red Hulk in the past, he could be the power broker or just basically trying to recruit a Thunderbolts team if he's not the power broker. I do think that possibly is the power broker, though, because she was very much kind of like uh, when 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 Contessa shows up, she's she's very aware that John Walker took the serum and the power broker has been all over the serum. The power broker had, uh, you know, hired Nagel and was definitely interested in super soldiers. So I think that maybe in the Black Widow movie, you had a group of widows that maybe they were wanting to inject with the super soldier serum. Because think about that. Think about if you had a character like Black Widow, but then you gave her the super soldier serum. And let's say you had 20 of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that going back to Zemo, him being on the raft, that being controlled by General Ross, if General Ross is, in fact, trying to set up a Thunderbolts team, he could basically break Zemo out of the raft. And have him join the Thunderbolts. That, sure. That's no problem. And if they wanted to keep him in there, they could have a scroll look like him to stay on the raft. Well, I don't know if they're going to go to that extent, but I'm just saying it's, it's, that's, I'm just throwing that out there. But, um, I, I do think that, uh, is this too much for you guys? You trying to um, say, well, Brian, <laughs> I know like you were just talking about the power broker. Yeah. And I don't want to like go like 
off like tilt here, but what was up with like Sharon in this uh, past episode? Yes, I, I thought was that she might be the power broker. Why would you think that Sharon is the power bro- that? I don't under okay the power broker. No, what? Not, let, hold on. Just, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just like watching the episode and how she was like talking on the phone as if that person was like answering to her. It just seemed like she was like a big player in some not so good things. So she was talking. She, she was talking to Batrock first off. If you have the, yeah. she was talking to Batrock, uh, Batrock the Leaper. Um, and because if you had the if you have the closed captioning on, it shows that Batrock speaking in French or whatever, or she's speaking to Batrock. So she was talking to Batrock. Um, I want to like. Rebecca, it sounds like you're flipping too. Like we, me and no. you talked about this last week. No, I, yeah, no, I know. I, I don't think Sharon Carter is, is, is the power broker. It, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me personally for her to be the power broker. I'm with, with the introduction of, of the Contessa, I feel very much more strongly that she's probably the power broker. Um, if she's not, I do agree that she's definitely working with the power broker, but I, I was on, I was unclear and unsure what Sharon was doing. I, um, I mean, I get that she's sort of living in the shadows and working in the shadows because she's not, you know, she's not a shield agent anymore. She can't go back to the United States. She has to find her own way. Um, but it seemed like she, she'd hired Batrock earlier in the season, in the series when we saw him. And now here she is, she's hiring him again saying, I'm paying you double and he's delivering stuff to the flag smashers, so she's working with the flag smashers. Well, or, well, I, I'm, I'm, okay. I wasn't clear what her role is in all this. Yeah, it's not very clear, and I and I think there is a little credence to the whole Sharon is the power broker theory, um, but there's a lot that just goes against it as well. One thing that I think that's peculiar is that she's hiring Batrock to join the uh, the flag smashers to kill Falcon. I don't think she would have a, a, a real grudge against Falcon given the rapport in episode three. Um, so we do know the power broker once Carly dead. So I'm wondering if she was the power broker, if she's sending Batrock to infiltrate the Flag Smashers and kill her. The, well, I, I, first off, I don't think she's the power broker. I'm going to get to my reasons there in a moment, but like if, yeah, if she is, the, if she is the power broker, she's been going after the Flag Smashers this entire time. Why would she help the Flag Smashers to kill Falcon? Yeah. She would send Batrock right. to kill the Flag. Batrock right there in that moment showing up could have pulled out a gun and shot Carly yeah. in the head and exactly. game over. Power broker wins. Way to go, Sharon. Okay. Number two reason why Sharon isn't the power broker in my opinion is that we know that the power broker has been trying to uh, make the serum and make an army of super soldiers. We've got, you know, we are, we had 20 serums that were made up and the power broker wanted more and the power broker needed Dr. Nagel to make the serum. Well, Sharon would know that Baron Zemo definitely doesn't want the, the definitely doesn't want any more super soldiers in the world, doesn't want Avengers in the world. And so introducing Zemo to Dr. Nagel seems very counterproductive to the power broker. Because basically what happens in that scene is Zemo fucking kills Dr. Nagel. That's her that's the power broker's golden goose to make the super soldier serum. So if right. Sharon 
If Sharon yeah. Carter is the power broker, she's the worst power broker ever. <laughs> um, yeah, and why is she sending you, hitmen to kill her? At, you know, when they go to visit Doctor Nagel as well. Right, yeah. right. Um, do you think she could be trying to build some good faith with with the U.S. that she's going to deliver, like she's going to deliver him to Falcon, he's going to defeat him, and then that can be her ticket to come back to the United States? Um, possibly, man. I, I think that, you know, you know, you know, uh, Sam did say something like he could get her a pardon. And I, what if, what if the weapons that she delivered to the Flag Smashers don't do what they want? They think yeah. that they're getting these weapons and these weapons have no effect at all. And then now they're, now it's just a, a battle between, you know, Falcon, Winter Soldier and the Flag Smashers. You know, she double crossed the Flag Smashers. She double crossed Batrock as well because Batrock thinks he's going to have an opportunity to kill Falcon to get back at him. Yeah, I think I think I think that she's I think that it seems like she's working against Sam and she's working with the Flag Smashers. But in all honesty, I don't think that I think it's going to be. Uh, I think she's double-crossed Batrock and the Flag Smashers in this instance. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it, like the so her her end game. If if we're saying that she's appears to be one thing, but she's double-crossing everybody, and she's actually trying to help Falcon and 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 Winter Soldier. Like, is this her effort, as Paul said, like to get back into good graces with the United States government? Like, is this May- her? Maybe. Is this her way to get back home, or is she trying? Does she have a bigger? Um, does she have like a, a, a bigger goal in mind? Is she trying to set herself up as the next power broker? Like that what, might be what it is too. She, yeah. Like that, I because uh, why did she? I, I do think that she hired Batrock at the beginning of the movie too. I mean, I, I totally agree because she says to him, um, I'll pay you double this time. So yeah. clearly she hired him when he first showed up. So, um, which is, which is very interesting. And then uh, again, if this is all her now double crossing everybody, is her end game to get to the power broker to take them out and then she sets herself up? I, I don't know. I just, I feel like they've really made her a very mysterious character in this, um, which I'm not against because I, I don't feel like the movies ever did the character of, of Sharon Carter justice of from from the comics who she was. So I, I'm very curious to see in this in this final episode coming up, like what she's what she's all about, what she's going to do. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But I I can't answer everything. It's all speculation. But I I still just don't think I I'm not buying in that she's the power broker. I just can't. I can't, and I. I, and I don't know. It's, I think the power broker is probably either Thunderbolt Ross or Mephisto. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> I am so over Mephisto. Um, I, I saw an article that said, um, and this is all just like fan theory and spitballing that maybe it's Kingpin. And I was like, I don't know about all that. But. I liked what you said last week with me in Facebook Messenger where you uh-huh. said it could have been um, Mandarin. And I was oh, like, the real oh, Mandarin. Yeah. I, I, I would love that twist only because um, I I think – oh, God, I read this somewhere. Don't quote me. I can't remember where I read it. That basically it's like it's somebody we've already met 
Or maybe that was a fan theory. You know what? Whatever. I, I read something somewhere about it's somebody we've already met, and maybe that was just a fan theory. But if that is, we've sort of, quote, you know, met the Mandarin, not really, but we've met the idea of that character. Yeah. Um, I, would, I just feel that the Mandarin wouldn't call himself the power broker. He would just call himself the Mandarin. <laughs> that know? makes sense. Yeah. Sam Rockwell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Justin Hammer. I, I've thought that possibly it could be Justin Hammer. Like, we don't know what happened to him during the blip, you know. So maybe he's, yeah. you know, maybe he's free now. I, 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 we'll see, man. We better get answers to the power broker in the final episode. Oh, That's all I'm saying. I, I really thought, yeah. <laughs> I, and I think I think you and I agreed on this, Brian. That like we thought like this episode we would find out for sure who the <laughs> yeah. power broker is. Yeah, and. Honestly, when they introduced uh, the Countess, I said, oh, my God, it's her. She's the power broker. I really thought they were going to say that. And, they, and of course, they didn't say that. Um, and maybe she is. But I at this point, if they've already introduced her without saying that she's the power broker, maybe she's not the power broker after all. And, and it'll be some big reveal at the end. I I hope I hope it's a reveal and we all go <gasps> like we all just sort of take that moment and are like oh my god it's them like i i hope we get that yeah yeah oh i wanted to point out a couple of uh cool easter eggs that i, I haven't been able to share over the last couple weeks because we haven't talked about uh falcon and winter soldier but um in the first episode where we see zemo in his cell his cell number is 2187, which is the same cell number as Princess Leia in Star Wars A New Hope. Oh, nice. Also, the actor that played Baron Zemo's – remember the guy that met Baron Zemo at the private jet? His kind of like mm-hmm. butler guy. You know what I mean? His, his what, dark Alfred. His Alfred, yeah. yeah. The actor's name is Nicholas Pryor. And he meets him at an airplane, and uh, he actually was in the – Nicholas Pryor had a part in the movie Airplane. That is not the big Easter egg here. The big Easter egg is that this actor, with with his appearance on the Falcon and Winter Soldier, this actor has gone triple Falcon. Let me explain. He's appeared in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He also appeared in the Falcon and the Snowman as well as an episode – as of Falcon Crest. Yes. So the actor has gone triple Falcon. Nice. That is so that is so weird, Who isn't it? Shit out like that. You got to think that they were they that's the reason they cast this guy for that role to have him go triple Falcon. It's so weird. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I've loved these last episodes, these last couple episodes. Um, let's see here. Oh, I wanted to read this. I had an article here, uh, from the direct and it was titled, did Wyatt Russell just tease Chris Evans appearance in Falcon and the Winter Soldier in a recent interview with BBC radio one, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier star Wyatt Russell was asked if he had ever met Captain America actor Chris Evans as the interviewer joked about the meme worthiness of an image of the two together. Russell teased that he's only possibly, quote, walked by him somewhere and made eye contact, but joked that it was in more of a stalker fashion. However, Russell then said that fans will have to, quote, wait until the end of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier for a potential answer about him and Evans meeting. 
he said. Have I ever met Chris Evans? I think I have. I don't think I've shook his hand, met him, but I think I've walked by him somewhere and made eye contact. That counts as being a stalker. That doesn't count as meeting anybody, but I guess it would. You just got to wait until the end of the series and then everybody will be like, oh, wow. So that's it, flimsy. It's flimsy. I don't know if I'm like – I. I thought for a moment maybe we'd get Chris Evans showing up in this final episode of the Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm less convinced now. Even well, after this quote. An, yeah. Well, that brings up another question. Where is uh, Steve Rogers right now? They keep saying he's gone. What is that? That's, that's a great question. Yeah. I was like, I can't believe they would. I can't believe that in the MCU, Steve Rogers would be dead and we don't even get a funeral scene. That, I, I, I refuse to believe that. He's not dead. He's coming back. He's, hey, I, I hope he does. But but Falcon said Steve is gone. What is, I mean, gone. Well, he's not Captain America anymore. He for we, we know that. But like, what does he mean? He's gone. I don't know. I, we'll find out. You know, he's not dead. About the moon? What if he's actually on the moon? Oh my god! He's on the, <laughs> what if he's in that that sword? Uh, not that sword. What if he's in that space station with Nick Fury? Yeah. <laughs> not the moon, but he's in space. <laughs> yeah, I. I, I, like you know, I've, the, oh, sorry. No, I've said like, what if he's like the you know like what if he's you know like the one of the leaders at Sword? I don't know. I. Honestly, I think Steve's in retirement. I just think he's in retirement. He's probably on a fucking beach drinking a Mai Tai or something. He's in he's in retirement, right? Of course, I'm joking. But I think he's just in retirement right now. I don't think he's doing anything big. I think he's done his service and he's just in retirement right now and just like enjoying his last days. I do think that like – and I've said this on our previous episode. I do think he's coming back. He will come back. There is no reason other than the fact – that he's coming back, that we got that scene of Ant-Man turning into baby Ant-Man. They are going to put him in that, they're going to put him in that machine and they're going to make him young Chris Evans for something. He's going to come back and be young Steve Rogers and he's going to fight with the Avengers one time. They're going to need, they're going to, somebody's going to say something like, we need a little bit of old fashioned and then, and then, then, (laughs) you know, and then, and then he'll come back for like one big Avengers movie. Again, and yeah. and people are going, and you know what? You're going to see the meme. You're going to see the meme of like Chris Evans from the first Avenger when he when they first show him, and like you see all that dry ice, and he comes out, and he's he's you know fucking buff, uh, you know Steve Rogers for the first time as Captain America uh, coming out of that machine, and then you're, there, it's going to happen again. We're going to see that picture side by side with the with him coming back again. They're going to make it look the exact same way. And they're going to see old, you're, you're going to have, you know, cause we had young skinny Steve turn into, you know, you know, Captain America and we're going to see old man cap turn into young cap again. That's the only reason we saw that Ant-Man scene. It's one of the only reasons cause they know they, you guys know that they set this shit up years in advance, sure. years he's in advance. Coming back. Yeah. He's a hundred percent coming yeah. back, but um, just when is the question. And, you know, it's just the eerie way that they're saying our friend is gone. It's like, you know, if someone's in retirement, you know, you would just kind of use different language. So that's what's kind of worrying me. Or maybe they're just trying to fuck with our minds or something, you know. Yeah. We don't, we'll find out where he's been, but he's not dead. I promise you he's not dead. He's not dead. Yeah. Better not be. 
<laughs> I agree that I don't think it'll be the show. I think they're gonna, like you said, they're gonna wait for the next big movie and have such a huge reveal like that. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be one of those huge fucking moments where people, where when sure. when when everybody are, is it back in the theaters again, and we're all like when we all fucking saw him pick up Milner, and we oh all fucking God. freaked out in the theater. You know, we all yeah, freaked the fuck. Moment where um, Anthony Mackie, he's Captain America. He's like, you know, he's down on his knees he can't fucking get up anymore and then like he hears in his fucking earpiece guard that pussy (laughs) 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 i love it i I really thought you were gonna say on your left i really did that'd be awesome too yeah. All right, guys. Any final thoughts on the the last two episodes of um, of the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier? Can't wait for the finale. There I you cannot go. Wait for the finale. I cannot wait for the finale either. Uh, All right, we're gonna take yeah, a, uh, Go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to the finale. There's a lot to wrap up, and this is one Disney Plus show that I really hope gets a second season. I think it will. I, I'm pretty sure that it will. I'm pretty sure it will. I think we'll get a second season of this one. I'm not, you know, not so sure about WandaVision and, and, uh, I, isn't it, isn't it confirmed that we're getting a season two of Loki? Is that, is that confirmed? Oh, I'm not sure about that. I, I didn't hear that. Or, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I got like, a, we got this covered news story mixed up or something. <laughs> All right. Or maybe it was just a rumor. Uh, let's see. Well, there be, uh, Season two of Loki. Hey, I, I have I have one quick question before we wrap up. Do you think that John Walker dies in this season, in this series? No, no, I don't. No. I hope not. I don't. I hope he doesn't either. I would love to see him come back and and really be U.S. agent. He doesn't, or, or it come back in some other, uh, another way. But I, I hope he does not die. He doesn't get that I card from Madam Hydra without coming back. They're set. Mm, they're set. They're, they're yeah, setting up. They're point. setting up. I think they're setting up Thunderbolts 100. percent And uh, it's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be. Uh, they're playing a, a long game, just like you know, setting up the Avengers. And um, you know, I think maybe the next on the list is Yelena Belova. Um, trying to think of you know Zemo possibly. Oh, we already know that the um, Kevin Feige confirmed that the uh, Abomination is on the raft too. So there you there go. You go. There you go. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, we know Abomination is going to be in the She-Hulk series as well. Right. Yeah. So, all right. Exciting time for Marvel, man. It is. These yeah. are exciting times for Marvel fans, sir. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. I'm reading on. I don't know if these sites are Loki season two reportedly in development. This comes from IGN. Yeah, there's a bunch of there's a collider. Loki season two could happen. Marvel's Disney Plus show. Yeah, there's a lot of see. It's not confirmed, but there's been a lot of these reports. Yeah, uh, Screen Rant Loki season two reportedly already planned for Disney Plus. So there's a lot of these sites that have come out and said that they think that Loki's going to get a second season. I remember reading that shit, but it looks like it's not 100 percent confirmed. Let's take a break. Because you know what? It's such an exciting time for Marvel right now. I need to take a fucking break, Winkler. It's so exciting that I need, I literally need to take a fucking break, Winkler. I can barely contain myself. I do it. I can't either. I'm like, I do, I'm, that was very news anchor of me to say that. It was. <laughs> Brian, these are very exciting times for Marvel, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Brian. 
<laughs> All right, back to you, Rebecca. Over to Paul with the weather. Yeah. Paul, how's the weekend looking? Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. That's what's on the uh, menu tonight, guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey Brian, how about you send me over some of that cascatelli pasta for these meatballs that are coming down on us? <laughs> See you next year. <laughs> All right, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> the action news team that's what's happening oh my yeah, God. yeah yeah some people are saying a little less action can we get a little less action right. some of the listeners are just yeah a little annoyed all right uh we'll be right back with good pop bad pop Well, let me tell you something, brother. You should head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon shopping link for all your shopping needs. Ooh, yeah. The cream of the crop always rise to the top, dig it? Speaking of cream, you can probably buy it on Amazon. Not 100% sure. Yeah. To all my little Hulkamaniacs, say your prayers, take your vitamins, and you will never go wrong, brother. And listen, dude, you can buy those vitamins through the Amazon shopping link on popcultureleftovers.com. Ooh, yeah. I just bought a neon orange cowboy hat and a curtain of Slim Jims. Snap into a Slim Jim. Head on over to popcultureleftovers.com now and use the link. Because what you going to do, brother? When pop culture leftovers runs wild on you. All right. Hey, we're back. I forgot. I was going to make an announcement at the beginning of the podcast and I forgot. Um, it's uh, not, I don't think people are going to like this one, but there's going to be no new episode the first weekend of May. So May 2nd, you won't get a new episode. I, I'm going to take a week off. Oh, you deserve you. it. You deserve it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm taking it. Next week, though, next week actually starts um, – I so we are we are coming back next week. I'm, I'm, we're going to be reviewing uh, the Mortal Kombat movie. but uh, And it also starts my reviews of the Fast and Furious movies. So I've only uh, seen the first three, and I saw them when they first came out. And I have not seen any of the Fast movies past the first three. So I'm going to – It only gets better. Well, I'm going to go back treat with five each week. Um, I'm so I'm so jealous to get to watch it for the first time. For the first yes. time, feels like I think, the first I think everyone time. should start the series at four. I'm going to go back. I'm going to do all of them. I'm going to do all of them. I want to get. I want to. You know, because you, you got Dom always saying it's about family or whatever the fuck. I don't know. He's like, <laughs> yeah. like, like I don't know. Like, 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 like F9 is just going to be them at an Olive Garden or some shit eating never, <laughs> ending, having never ending salad bowl or whatever the family fuck. Family. comes in and takes all the breadsticks. Yeah, John Cena. Nobody can see him. <laughs> He just <laughs> nobody. John Cena's playing his brother, and yeah. it's like it's all about family. But he has this long lost brother that he never mentions. Yeah, yeah, dude. yeah but that, crying in the background. So it's next, all about family except for my brother. <laughs> for my blood family. Yeah. So Fuck my blood. Next week, I'm gonna. I'll, uh, I'll. I'll talk about the first Fast and Furious movie, and then we're, we're gonna take a week off. And then we'll come back. This is all going to lead up to uh, F9 releasing on June 25th, where I will be watching that movie and then reviewing it with uh, with Jake and, and whoever 
have on that episode. So yeah, looking forward to that. But yeah, no episode the first weekend in May because I need some fucking time off. You doing anything exciting? Oh my God. I'm probably going <laughs> to, I'm probably, I'm no, I'm probably going to do a bunch of shit around the house. And then late at night, I'm going to watch, uh, Sven Gulli on, uh, on, on, on me TV. <laughs> so, cause I never get to watch Sven Gulli when, when, when we record, cause it's Saturday and I never get the Sven Gulli's on me TV. I never get to watch my Sven Gulli. So I'm probably going to, <laughs> that's a fun time though. Yeah. like it's stuff you enjoy doing right so yeah enjoy that treat yourself <laughs> this is my life treat yourself Ghoulie. Yourself. yeah <laughs> oh man all right let's uh let's jump into uh this week's good pop bad pop it's time for more leftover reviews with good pop Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, you heard us rating the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you had no idea what the fuck we were talking about. Now you will. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. A Tupperware party. Tupperware party, I do say. What the fuck? I don't know. Just fucking roll with it, man. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Tupperware party. Tupperware party, sir. Mm, yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, let's talk about, uh, the, uh, what is it? The, the new, uh, Zack Snyder trailer for Army of the Dead. This, this came out. And, uh, wanted to find out what you guys thought about this one. This one looks like it stars, uh, who's the cast? Army of Dead. I, I gotta look this up. Army of Dead. I know Dave Batista's in it. Tig Nataro. Who? Is it, is it Tig Nataro? Is that her name? Yes, she's the comedian. Mm-hmm. She, she looks fuck. yeah. I, yeah, I love her in this. Oh, great. yeah. I, I know who she is. I know who she is now. I didn't know her name though. Mm. She replaced um, what's his name? Christelia. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember that news story. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Hiroyuki Sonata. Hiroyuki Sonata's in this one as well. He's also. Oh man, I love that guy. I think he's fantastic. But uh, what did you guys think about the uh, Army of the Dead trailer? I want to hear from you first, Winkler, since you're talking over me so goddamn much. <laughs> Now That's you, my name. Now you, have, now you have the fucking floor and you ain't saying shit. No, girl. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. I'm there. I'm everywhere, baby. Um, yeah, Army of the Dead trailer. Tupperware right out of the gate. Love this trailer. Um, Zack Snyder. To like, obviously he's big in the news right now, but for him to come back and do Army of the Dead after he did, you know, the Dawn of the Dead remake that. I loved at least. I feel like like I talked to a lot of people that really had like a kind of a big like cult following. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I love that movie. I still love that movie. Written yeah. by James Gunn. Yeah. It's so like it holds up really well, and um, I'm just beyond excited for it. There hasn't been like a lot of good zombie material um, as of late. I mean, yeah, there's like good zombie movies and stuff, but 
I mean, lately we haven't really gotten anything that uh, kind of blow our socks off. So I think this one will just be so much fun that um, it's kind of got like the uh, cast of like the misfits that are going to go in and kind of save the day. So I'm really excited to see, especially from the trailer, it looks like these kind of zombies are like uh, kind of like evolved to like be able to communicate. Uh, you see them in the trailer like dodging bullets and knife fights and stuff. It's it's crazy. They can communicate with one another. There's a freaking zombie tiger in it. I mean, Vegas is a perfect setting for this style of movie because there's so much to do. You could go into casinos, restaurants, hotels, wedding chapels. Like, I just think it's going to be awesome, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Nice. Have you seen Train to Busan? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, that's the last, like, really good zombie movie I've seen. I also would recommend if you have – I think it's on Shudder, if if you have access to Shudder, One Cut of the Dead. I would give that okay. a shot if you haven't seen One Cut of the Dead. If no, if you, honestly, anyone who's listening, if you haven't watched One Cut of the Dead, highly, highly recommend <laughs> that movie. It's absolutely fantastic. It was one of my favorite movies of that year that it came out. So, um, yeah, Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder, uh, Rebecca. I'm curious to hear what you have to say about this because I know you're not a Zack Snyder fan. So I'm instantly thinking you're you're gonna shit on this like instantly. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know if it's fair to say I'm not a Zack Snyder fan. Or a zombie I, fan in general. I don't think I'm you're a zombie. I'm not a zombie fan. And so, like, for me, I, I, um, I've, I've seen some zombie movies, of course. Um, but I, it's just not my thing. I, I, it doesn't do anything for me. I don't really, it's just not my thing. Um, I, I'm definitely a Zack Snyder fan of some of his work. And, and I know I've said this before, but like, I loved Watchmen. I enjoyed 300. I enjoyed Man of Steel. I mean, there is stuff that he's done that I do like. It's just as we've gotten further into the Zack Snyder's brain of how amazing he is and, and he thinks he is and has to tell everybody he is. I've just become less of a fan of his more recent work. This is my own personal opinion. Um, so he should, he should not be excited about his work. No, I'm not saying he's not excited <laughs> about his work. I'm saying that like this. The, so you want a, you want a more self deprecating Zack Snyder going on in the future. I, I would just like somebody who doesn't get on Twitter and riles up the Zack Snyder fanboys into this like state of frenzy, foaming at the mouth because they think that Zack Snyder is the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's like, not starting a he's say. not starting a Nexium cult and branding his followers, I, though, Rebecca. I understand that. I understand that. Um, Anyway. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm not trying. I am not trying to jump on you. Like, I, I get it. I get it. No, it's like some of these fans should not be riled up. I get it. I, I totally yeah, get it. There's, yeah, there's a lot of them that shouldn't be riled up. So but whatever. I think, I think yeah. there's a, there's, there's, there's 50% of his fans that are just genuinely good people. And then there's, then, then you get the others. Oh, sure. No, absolutely. I, I mean, that, I personally, I love Zack Snyder's enthusiasm for like all these properties and his love for this stuff. I, I, I find it very genuine. Like every time I've seen him at a, like a, at a San Diego Comic Con and just like the, you know, I remember just watching like his interviews on G4 back in the day, uh, every year at San Diego Comic Con and just like he just exudes like this, this energy and love for these properties. Like does he always execute 
<laughs> the best? No. But man, I, I, I think he is just a, an electric personality and I, I do like Sure. I, I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, and I don't think it's wrong for someone to be excited about the projects that they're working on. I just, I think when it comes to things like the Snyderverse, like the Snyder Cut, uh, I just think that there's, there's been this whole movement for quite a while of him getting on social media and being like, you know, oh, this other stuff was shit and I'm amazing and all my work is great and um, all my fans demand it, right, guys? And then it's like, it, but that's neither here nor there. We're talking about something totally different. Um, as far as, like, a trailer goes, I thought it was, like, a well-done trailer. I mean, I, I love Dave Bautista, so right away this sort of, like, is like, oh, it's not really my wheelhouse, but I do enjoy Dave Bautista. Um I do think it's interesting, his take on the zombie um, sort of genre. Uh, I, I agree with Mike. These zombies seem much more – they're almost like Professor Hulked out. Like they they are more cognizant than zombies normally are. They're not just sort of staggering around uh, incoherently just, you know, dr- driven by the need to eat human flesh. They seem to be somewhat organized. Um I mean, it's a very typical Zack Snyder trailer. It's cut with, like, a really, like, slow, sort of sad-ish song over it. So, I, I don't know. I'm going to give the trailer a taste it. it I, I think a lot of other people will probably Tupperware this trailer. I, I just think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the, the zombie genre is not something that they terribly enjoy. And so, it's... But I appreciate the trailer for what it is, and I do appreciate the fact that it is sort of a different take on the zombie genre. It does look like a very fun movie. Um, Will I personally see it? I don't know, but I do think it looks like a fun entry into the zombie universe. I'm going to make you be on that episode. And I'm, that's fine. I'm kidding. You don't have to. No. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, Yeah, I'm going to jump into this one real quick. I... I like the trailer. I thought it was fun, but I am not a fan of, uh, aware zombies. I just want brain eating zombies. I, I, I'm not a fan of this whole, looks like there's a queen of the zombies that's kind of like, <laughs> you know, like she's the Daenerys, you know, she's controlling or like the, or like, what, what, what was it? The, 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 the White Walker King or whatever the fuck from Game of Thrones and kind of controlling the all night these, King. the Night King. She's kind of like the Night King of all these zombies. That's, uh, that's a twist that I don't think I need. Now, am I willing to give the movie a chance? 100%. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to be watching this and I hope it's fantastic, but, um, part of the fun that I like with zombie movies is either you get like the the European or Korean zombies that move really fast, but they're still just out for blood. Uh, or you know, like the Romero zombies, slow moving and 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 just moving herds, and they just want to. As far as this whole take on them being kind of aware and being able to dodge, and you know, last thing I want to see is zombies opening doors and shit. Like, fuck off with that, you know. Like, I just want, I want, I want kind of like basically just like your 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 basic zombies that's just out to fucking kill you. You know, they're gonna 
So I don't know about this. I will give it, I will give the trailer itself for like my excitement of it. I'll give it a high taste it, but man, this could end horribly. Uh, I hope it, it really, I guess it comes down to like the cast and how they work together and, uh, the chemistry and stuff like that. Uh, I think the setting of Las Vegas is going to be fun and cool. I, we did see a, uh, a zombie Elvis impersonator and that looked really funny, but, um, yeah, uh, jury's still out on this one until I watch this movie as to whether I'm going to like this kind of like new breed of zombies. Tristan, what did you think? Yeah, it's a high-tasted trailer for me as well. Um, you know, just the visuals as far as Zack Snyder is concerned are always top-notch. So just, you know, the movie was looks to be aesthetically pleasing. And, you know, the first half of this trailer is just a very different tone than what it turns into. And... You know, it felt like it was a bit of an Ocean's Eleven thing going on in the beginning and had a lot of heart. And then it just turns into this kind of CGI zombie, you know, fucking crazy ass uh, action movie. And, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to, uh, you know, be looking out for, you know, all the different Vegas references that they're going to throw in there. You know, like Mike and um, Brian were saying, you know, it's just a good setting to have a zombie film because there's just so much you can throw in there. Just the fact they throw in the white tigers, you know, they're just going to be Elvis impersonators and all kinds of little things that just harken back to Vegas and, um, you know, ruined monuments and things like that. So yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Can you imagine a bunch of zombies coming out of the, uh, Luxor pyramid, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. What'd you think? (laughs) Hey, Paul, what'd you think, man? Uh, first of all, I'm ready to give it a tough word just because it didn't have Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah playing <laughs> during it, which excited me. Um, no, I'm going to give this a high taste. That I am in Rebecca's camp. I'm not the biggest Zack Snyder fan. But unlike like opposite of you, I got really excited when I saw how batshit crazy they were going with like the king and queen zombie. <laughs> okay. And just so fucking ridiculous. I love that. Um Way back in the day, there was an IDW comic called The Other Dead, and it was a it was a zombie virus that only affected animals. And I've always enjoyed that like thought pro like that spin on zombies. So to see like a tiger zombie was really fucking cool. To see animals be the undead, um, I loved Dave Batista. Uh, I thought Tignataro looked fucking badass in this. Uh, I'm excited to see her go from comedy to something kind of gritty and serious so i'll definitely be checking this out i don't know if my hopes are super high but the trailer did a good job of getting me ready to just turn my brain off and enjoy something that looks batshit crazy what was that, what was that noise in the background is it a fax machine yeah what's going on he's receiving a fax right now <laughs> uh that that sorry that's me is this uh, uh soda stream was was going off sorry <laughs> A fax machine. <laughs> it did. It sounded like a Xerox machine. <laughs> no, so stream. Sorry. That, that's my bad. <laughs> okay. All righty. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about, let's talk about this next one. Um, the, the, uh, we got the pilot episode of The Nevers on HBO Max. The Nevers is described as an epic science fiction drama about a gang of Victorian women who find themselves with unusual abilities, relentless enemies, and a mission that might change the world. And um, I know, I know, everybody. This is—it's created by Joss Whedon. He's been in the news a lot lately. 
But let's try to let's just try to judge this one without the fact that Whedon is the head was the head of this. He's not on the show anymore, but it still says created and written and directed and all this stuff by Joss Whedon. Let's just try to keep that out of it. But um, so in this show, you've got these uh, Victorian. There's you got these Victorian women. It's kind of like it's very Victorian steampunk in a lot of ways with some of like the technology that they're using and the the visuals and stuff like that. And you've got uh, uh, these these women. Is it just women that are affected by the touch, as they call it in this? It seems to be. I don't know. Yeah, it just feels like when. You know, there's like this reveal of like these people that have like these different powers. Uh, some big event happened and now uh, it looks like it's, I think it's just women that, uh, oh. that were affected by this or could I, am I wrong in that? There's the, uh, one doctor that like stitches. Up. Yeah. The Character healing guy. That seems to be touched. Oh, yeah, yeah I forgot guy. about that guy. Yeah. 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 I, that, that's the, that's the part that confused me was that guy. Cause I didn't see any other men with, with, with powers. It just felt like it was like the the women were having power. So at the beginning of the show, you've got uh, uh, a little girl that's been touched, and she's speaking this. You know, and the, they think her parents think she's demon possessed because she they think she's speaking in like demon tongues or something like that. And and so uh, apparently, we find out she's one of the touched, and and now she has like I guess the power to speak in all these different languages. And she yeah. looks. She looks like. And she looks like Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. She looks a lot like Steve Buscemi. Um, I don't know about. I don't know about this show. I thought um, she looked like a young Christina Ricci. Uh, okay, sure. Um, that or Steve Buscemi. Yeah, I'm Steve Buscemi, one hundred percent. I don't know. I don't know about this show. I confused the two. I honestly, I, I thought the show was fine. I'll give it a taste. It. I, I really don't have a ton to say about it. To be quite honest with you, I don't know if I'll be watching this week to week. I think it might have been a one and done for me. I it. I don't know. It just really, it really didn't do a lot for me. To be quite honest with you, but I want to know what your thoughts are, Rebecca. What did you think about? It? Did you watch the Nevers? I did. I watched the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. This is the, actually, I found out this is the sequel series to the Sometimers. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> that is 100% a lie. I just made that up. <laughs> 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 you say it's the seriously sometimes. I, I'm like, I know. Hey, is it? <laughs> I know. I know. Um, you know, there. Okay, J- Joss Whedon, as a person aside, um, just talking about his sort of creative style uh, of his ways of doing shows. Um, this is a very Joss Whedon show. Um, it's very steampunk, absolutely. I felt like this show was like a mix of like the X Men and the Umbrella Academy and. A lot of other pop culture things that we've seen before. And, and not to say that a lot of shows aren't like that, of course, because if you've ever watched any TV ever, you're going to see repeated stuff. Um, I thought the show was, was okay. Um, I thought everybody who was cast in the show looked like a more famous person. And I thought that that was very odd. Um, 
but I don't know. I mean, the acting is fine. Um, it really just does feel like an X-Men story mostly to me though. Um, I also don't know if I'm going to watch more of this. I, I was very excited about this show um, until I heard who the creative person behind it was. And then I was less excited, unfortunately, but um, it's okay. I, I'm also going to give it a taste it. Um, it's got that sort of magical element in it, which I think will appeal to a lot of people. Um but I'm not really sure. I don't know. For it, it, maybe it's just not for me. I think I'm, for me, it's just going to be a taste it, and I don't know if I'm going to really watch any more of this show. Paul, what did you think about the Nevers? Was not able to watch it. I'm going to wait for the Snyder cut. Okay. All right. What'd you think? Uh, what'd you think, Tristan? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a it's a low tasted for me. Um, I was leaning towards a toss it for probably the first half, and then. It got a little better and I, I, I moved it up to a low tasted, which means, you know, just watch it if you, you know, if your freaking remote doesn't work or something. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was not something that I feel like I, I, I want to revisit. Like I just had no connection to the characters or just a lot of characters, a lot going on. It looks like they put a lot of money into it, but it's just like I just didn't give a shit about any of them. Like, I didn't care what happened. I didn't care where the stories are going. I didn't care to see them again. And I don't know if it's Joss Whedon bias. You know, I, I'm trying to put that to the side. I'll still say, you know, I think the first Avengers movie is one of the best comic book movies of this era. You know, but um, I don't I just didn't really enjoy this. I, I, I was bored, bored out my mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, kind of, I'm kind of with you on that one. Winkler, what did you think, man? Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna agree with Tristan there. Where um, I was for the first half of the episode, I was a toss it, and then the second half, I'm gonna change it to a low taste it for me. Um, yeah, I, I I just wasn't there for uh, any of the things. Like I like the concept, sure. Um, execution wasn't there for me. Uh, some of the powers were like very underwhelming. Um, my favorite parts were the, there's like this detective, Detective Mundy, that's kind of going around and, uh, searching for a character, Malady, that's in like the second half of the episode. And I like that sub story more than like the actual main storyline. So if that's yeah. ever the case for me, it's not a good sign. So yeah, yeah I'm going to low taste it. That Malady, oh my God. I don't, I don't know who the actor was, but man, she was kind of frightening, wasn't she? <laughs> Yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, imagine going to see Hamilton and then she shows up. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah. So we're honestly, guys. You know, I tried to keep like you know Joss Whedon bias and all this other shit, you know, to the side. I I just I really didn't get into this. And and you know, it's a pilot episode. Maybe it gets better. But I don't think I'll be, I don't think it had enough with, when there's so many other great things out there right now to watch, in my opinion, you know, I've got to get, like I was talking to Paul, I was like, dude, I got, you know, I've been watching Servants and getting caught up on that, you know, For All Mankind is out, you know, Solar Opposites, I still got to start season two. There's so much great content out there right now, Falcon and Winter Soldier, that I don't think that I really care to go back to the Nevers. So I may Nevers be watching this again. <laughs> so <laughs> that was, that was bad. Um, you you know, let's talk about the Circle season two. Um, who watched Circle season one? Me. Oh yeah. I, I did. did not. 
Ooh, Rebecca did not. Tristan, did you watch Circle Season 1? No, no. I just I just picked up uh, the first two episodes of Season 2. Okay, okay. This will be interesting. Rebecca, did you watch any of the Circle Season 2? I watched the first episode. Okay, that says a lot. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get to Rebecca's low taste it slash toss it. What do you think? Oh, this is, you know. This is, hold on. Let me explain this. The Circle, the Circle... Is basically it's players competing against each other to become the most popular, but they actually never meet. Uh, instead, they communicate through this specially designed app called uh, The Circle. And uh, you can portray yourself any way that you choose to. So you can be yourself and post pictures of your real self and, and be yourself, or you can pretend to be someone else completely different. So in all honesty, like in all actuality, excuse me, you could, you know, you could be a, you know, like a 50 year old guy and you could be trying to portray yourself as like a, you know, 23 year old woman or you could do anything in the circle. And, um, so that, and it's a competition show, uh, you get, uh, your peers vote who is like, they rank you like most popular to least popular. And if you're ranked at the top, the top two, you become influencers and those influencers then get together, uh, through the circle and then they talk with one another on who they're going to be voting out of the circle. They're going to be blocking you. So they block you out of the circle. New contestants can join the circle at any time. Uh, and, uh, this was a show that Jake and I were absolutely addicted to last year we and i'll be honest with you me and jake were messaging each other this week on facebook messenger about the circle of season two and jake's telling me who he likes and i'm telling him who i like in season two um this was one of my favorite shows uh the year that it came out and so let's let's talk about uh season two rebecca what do you think this is not the type of show that I usually watch. Um, I'm not like a reality TV person. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I, I, I never have really been a reality TV person. I never got into Survivor. Um, I tried watching that, like, like that was like, like one of the first big ones, but, um, I'm just, I don't watch any of the reality TV stuff. It just, it doesn't, it's not my thing. <laughs> um, this show, I mean, I knew it existed. I, I knew you had talked about it last last season. Um, I did watch the first episode. I, I this this show is not for me. It, <laughs> everybody on this show, I wanted to punch them all in the face. I did not like anybody on this show. The only guy I liked was Bryant, like the hippy dippy guy who was like breathe in and breathe out. I thought he was the most genuine person. Um, on this thing, and I he I reminds like me a- he reminds me of like the least successful Franco brother. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, <see that>. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely see that. You're not wrong. You know, like, 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 you know, like Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, and then like the third brother, and then <laughs> that nobody even knows his fucking name. And then there's Joe. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like yeah. I totally see what you're saying. Um, uh, the 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 British woman who was the host of something. No, she, Chloe, she was on too hot to handle. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Her, I thought she was the most vapid, uh, shallow self-centered <laughs> annoying oh, she's my favorite uh, she's my favorite oh god I absolutely, 
<laughs> I wanted to vomit every time she was on screen. I love I just, her. I could not. I love, I love her. She's, like, you know, she's, like, she's again, my favorite. I, I'm not a fan of the reality TV genre, and <laughs> the word influencer wants to make makes me want to stab people in the eyes with forks. Like I, I cannot. I have no patience for any of it. This is just not for Rebecca. Uh, for me, me personally, I toss it. But I am 100% sure I am in the minority on this. I am quite sure if you watched the first season and loved it, you'll probably love this too. And if you're a reality TV junkie, you'll probably love it. So take my rating with a grain of salt. If you're not in a reality TV person, don't even bother. Like, it's just, I, I could not watch more than one episode of this. <laughs> it's, but I'm, I'm sorry. I tried. Oh my God. No, no. Who, who said, who, who also said that Chloe was their favorite? Yeah. That's you, Mike? Yeah. yeah. Dude, I want to hear from you. I absolutely love this show. <laughs> um, this is a tough word for me right off the gate. Um, the first season, also a total Tupperware. So I love that show so much. I, I don't know if it was. Was it right at the beginning of quarantine? like, mm, Or was it before that? I think it might have been before. But well, it, it felt – because yeah. Yeah, because it felt like something like, you know, like Tiger King, how the whole country kind of was absorbed by it and like everybody jumped on and was having fun with it and stuff like that. I feel like that's what the circle is like all over like Twitter. Everybody's like talking about it, throwing theories and stuff. And I honestly, I just love the concept, love the contestants. Like you said, Chloe is my favorite. Um, there are some people who are catfishing. Like yeah, there's this yeah. guy. Jack, who's playing Emily. Uh, there's this older gentleman, Lee, who's playing River. Like, there are these uh, characters that you just absolutely love. And I also think there's, like, a lot more drama in this. Now, whether that's as, like, a plan thing, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see. Obviously, there's, like, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff with reality shows. But there's so much drama. It's so, like, fast-paced that I was disappointed when there was only four episodes. I wanted to watch the whole fucking thing in one sitting. And, uh, yeah, I guess it's coming out, like, every week they're going to drop a couple episodes. Yeah, but, um, yeah. That's what, it's the same yeah, thing that they did great. last year. It's, it's the same really thing great. they did last year. That's a, the way they released it last year. And, I, yeah, dude, I'll, I'm going to jump in. Like, I, I fucking <laughs> love this show so much. It is super addictive um i think they 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 nailed it with casting again this season i was really worried about this season because i was i loved i loved last season so much you know i was a big joey fan which i hated joey at the beginning Shuby. and then he won me over and i'm fucking i love shuby but man um I, I, I love the casting that they've done in this season so much. I love the whole Savannah versus Terralisha thing that they had going on. And yeah, I, I, I Tupperware this so, so hard. I love, I still love the circle. I'm a huge fan. Tristan, this is your first introduction. You've watched two episodes. What have you think? What are you thinking about the circle? Um, you know, I'm just going to maybe echo a bit of what Rebecca was saying. It's kind of not my thing. Um, like, I, it just kind of reminds me of all the, you know, the reality TV that I used to watch in the early 2000s that I just got really sick of. And, you know, I just, I'm just a person who prefers, you know, smart written material. 
um, scripted series and stuff like that. But um, now, let me you know, let me. You I, don't even own a TV, do you, Tristan? What's that? You don't even own a TV, huh? You just have a. Yeah, you, I don't own a TV. <laughs> you have books. <laughs> I just read books. Uh, no, man! I just spoke to you for an hour about the fucking Falcon and Winter Soldier. Come on. I read books. What the fuck? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Um, you know, I did enjoy it more than Rebecca, though. I mean, I like. I was like engaged in watching it, and then you know, somewhat enjoying it. But it's just not a, a show that I'm like, you know, head over heels for. Yeah, I probably it. the least my least favorite thing that we watched in the uh, this week, or one of the you know one of them. But um. But yeah, like overall, like it was, you know, it's like a human experiment, you know, so it's um, interesting to just see how these personalities collide and, and the little manipulation tactics that they employ. Um, what is it that stops them from just picking like, you know, like a celebrity or something and saying they're, you know, someone famous? Because I would think you would have a better advantage that way. Well, that, they introduced that into the season. I'm Let me uh, – spoilers for episode three uh, – Lance Bass en- enters the game from NSYNC. Mm. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so I won't. I won't get in. I won't spoil anything. But Lance Bass from NSYNC uh, enters the game. So, but yeah, uh, I see. I <laughs> Tristan. I loved all those reality shows from the early two thousands. I was. I did. I just got burnt out on them. I mean, oh God! I mean, you remember that era where just everything was that? Yes. You know, there was just. All and I, I miss it. You just got. I miss it so much. I don't, (laughs) I don't care how old Brett Michaels gets or how old Flava Flav gets. I want to see who they want to date. I love it. God damn it. I want Aaron Sorkin to write my fucking series, man. I don't want this fucking winged and, you know, like just fucking improvising shit, trying to get famous shit. <laughs> uh, talk to me, Paul. You watched season one. I'm assuming you're a fan. I well, I did watch season one. One of my first PCLs was we reviewed that show, and I I dropped off after the first episode. But you and Jake convinced me it gets better, and I ended up falling in love with it to no end. And I love Too Hot to Handle, so I fucking was <laughs> I so excited too. to see Chloe. <laughs> Come in and teach those two guys how to speak British slang. Yes, <laughs> was was fucking great. Um, right now I'm at a I'm at a high taste because uh, at this point last year or this point last season, what I really loved about the show was we really got into the like the people on the show. Like we really got to find out more about Joey and like all that. I feel like we haven't really been able to do a deep dive into who these people actually are. Yeah, they're, they're playing they're really playing this dis, like they're playing the game. It's very drama, yeah. 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 I mean, I'm still into it because I think it's a really cool concept. I'm still confused. During quarantine, I feel like they could have pumped out like 20 seasons of this. Yeah, they're they're like, doing this the sparingly. Yeah. It's like the perfect quarantine production show but um yeah i i still love all of you know the the alliances forming and all of that um loving chloe i fucking love her so much i love uh <laughs> thank you i love her too she's and she i think she's playing the best game it's not she is and mm-hmm. and and her and emily and she's an emily yeah um, I did like Jack quite a bit as Emily at first, and I think he's super funny, but on the flip side, I don't think he's playing as good a game as Chloe. I think Chloe's paying, playing a better game. No, personally, personally, I think I like 
just based on personalities, I would love to see Courtney win. I, I do like Courtney. Um, the the whole Trevor thing is fun too. I love uh, you know like coming out of the whole catfish thing. This is such an ingenious thing, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm sure it's going to be a Tupperware at the end. I just want to get to know these people a little bit more. Like I do love the gameplay aspect, but I also that's why I fell in love with the first season, especially Joey, who was this came off like a douche, and then you really find out more about him and you got so behind him that like i'm waiting for those moments yeah uh uh, to happen yeah yeah i think we will i think we will and they're gonna be introducing more players into the game it's gonna it's gonna ramp up man i am just so excited that the circle's back i tupperware the show so much i love it but i love the host the host is great yeah yeah. i'm just i am not a hundred percent i do i'm not i don't love courtney on the show. Okay. And, but here's the thing. All these people, if you take them out of the show and you put me like in a room with them, I think I could, I think I could handle it. Like enjoy talking to these people. It's just totally. in, in the game. I don't really like how Courtney's playing the game. I, yeah. I love Chloe's game so far. I was enjoying Jack. I think Jack was a lot of talk at the beginning. Like, Oh, I'm going to play this sweet girl, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I think he's, I think he's playing that a hundred percent. He's not made any big moves as Emily, in right. my opinion. He's basically he just playing it safe. And I think where Chloe is like, Chloe is branching off and making all these connections. But on the flip, on the flip side, she is playing the game. She is there to play the game. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, I, I'm wondering if. Maybe like without saying any spoilers, I'm wondering if maybe the contestants saw season one. And saw how like it played out, and then they're kind of like using that in the back of their head, because through the first few episodes, like you guys have seen, like it is like going a lot differently than you thought it would. Like when you meet the contestants and like the players and stuff, in your head you have one way of how it's going to go, and then you know it obviously like plays out. Like we said, a lot more uh, a lot more playing the game than Paul was saying where the first season was uh, kind of getting to know these people and more of like a, a study of the people. What do you think the chances are in this season or in a future season that we see a player come back like Joey, not Joey, or maybe like a Shuby, somebody that didn't win, come back and then they play as somebody else? A hundred percent. I see that. Happening. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens this season. That would be yep. so cool if it happened this season. Um, I was actually talking to Jake too. And I said, what if they did this with the circle? What if they had two different circles going on at the same time? Mm. So oh, wow. two, and then they merge or something. And then they merge them kind of like, you know, like survivor wow. and the tribes, you know, but in survivor, yeah. they always know that there's other tribes. And that they're going to have a merge. Well, this would be like unbeknownst to everybody that there's two different circles going on. If they get to like a final four and be like, oh, hey, you know what? (laughs) Here comes the other final four from the other circle. And then they're like, they're like, what? Like you see an alert, like alert. And then you're like, well, they're like, what the fuck? And then we got to wait a week. (laughs) (laughs) The other part they threw in too was um, uh, in the trailer for next week. It's I don't think it's a spoiler. It's just part of the game, but they're introducing something called like the inner circle. Yes. I'm excited to see what that's going to be all about. I don't know. I, what I, my theory is that maybe, Maybe they're going to be able to like peek into the people's like uh, apartments or something and kind of like see who's behind the face. Mm, I would think that they'd be able to see the messages that they've been writing oh, back and forth. That would be good. 
Yeah, oh, like that'd be maybe that makes see, way more sense actually. Yeah, not seeing like who they are, but maybe get to see like some of the you know snippets from the circle chat that they had from private messages. But I don't yeah. know. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm I'm still loving the show. Rebecca, I get it. I get it. It's just the reality TV stuff is not for you. I get it. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Yeah. But, I have to make a correction. I said that this was uh, the worst thing that I watched this week, but I forgot that we watched The Nevers. So I take that back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's move on into a movie that I actually saw in the theaters last year but it finally it went on vod but it finally dropped on netflix and that movie is synchronic when new orleans paramedics and longtime best friends steve and dennis are called to a series of bizarre and gruesome accidents they chalk it up to a mysterious new drug found at the scene but after dennis's oldest daughter disappears steve stumbles upon a terrifying truth about the supposed psychedelic that will challenge everything he knows about reality and the flow of time itself it's uh, directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, and uh, it's written by Justin Benson. It stars Anthony Mackie, Jamie Dornan, and uh, Katie Azelton, and Allie Ioannidis. And I got a question for you guys. Uh, would you guys eat a macaroni called Anthony Mackie-roni? Yes. 100%. Yeah. That has to be a thing. Wouldn't it like, I think like they could have like little Falcon macaronis. They could have one that has like a, like a microphone, like when he was Papa Doc and eight mile. Um, <laughs> Deep cut. <laughs> His real name's Clarence. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying. To, I, <laughs> that movie was so goddamn good. I fucking, oh. I still love that movie. Brittany Murphy was fantastic. Even Eminem was great in that movie. That movie was, was is just like in a void, right? It, it just came out of nowhere, and it was just a really good movie. I loved it. I still love that movie. Every once in a while, like, that's one of those movies that I go back to every few years just because I love that that final rap battle. It is just so goddamn epic. The way he – oh, my God. The way he just – Oh, it's so good, man. And it's like it's, – he's and just Clarence like, Karen's <laughs> – Oh, my God. good marriage. <laughs> man, he just – he owns everybody. And he owns himself, man. He fucking comes out. He's like, I am this. I am that. But oh, my God. And my best friend did shoot himself in the dick or whatever, man. It's just like – household name because of that, man. Uh, Cheddar Bob is awesome. Man. I love Cheddar Bob. I love that fucking movie, man. Kai Pfeiffer, so good. <laughs> Anthony Macaroni. It needs to be made. Rebecca, if it, honestly, if they if they had that, I would send you a box of that shit. Oh, I yes, thank you. I would enjoy that very much. The you know the tag phrase could be "cut the check." Instead of like uh, like rice and San Francisco tree, it could be like Anthony Macaroni. Cut the check. We could do that. <laughs> On your left. On your left, there you go. Where can I find this pasta? And here he comes. On your left. <laughs> At the grocery store for pasta. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's Anthony Macaroni. There's none left because it's so popular. Right? right. Oh, all right. Okay. All right. all right. Brian, it's time to go to bed. I'm putting myself to bed after that. <laughs> Yeah, Synchronic. This is a movie that um, I'm going to change my rating on from the first time that I watched it. But I want to hear what you guys have to say yeah. about Synchronic. 
And I'm going to start with you, Paul. Yeah, um, man, uh, it's so weird. I like the first 30 minutes, I am almost at a low taste it, toss it. I thought it was way too much exposition. But man, the last half of the movie is an absolute Tupperware. I I could go without the first half of the movie, but when he starts doing what he does and he starts like, you know, becoming real smart about the game plan he has, I was all in. The phone went to the side at the beginning. I'm like, what the fuck? Fuck this. Like I get it, they're paramedics and some weird shit's happening, but you know, I don't need to see upside down ambulances driving down the street for a while. Like I just no. But 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 when the plot gets going and you find out exactly what this drug does and Anthony Mackie's putting it all together and he's got his own little demons he's fighting and I was all in and just even him at the bar just fucking breaking down back to the future. Yeah, yeah. Did you notice like, did you notice that his his dog Name his dog's name was Hawking, and in Back to the Future, the dog's Einstein. name was Einstein. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, totally. Um, mm. I I loved when he like it was so like time travel can be so tricky to do because it seems like there's pretty much only one simple way to do it, or not simple. But the way they did it in this, where he'd have to go to like different spots and go to different times and deal with yeah. like the horribleness that happened there, like. That was the part I love. So I'm going to give it a high taste that I could have gone without the beginning of the movie. But when, you know, I would implore people to skip to the middle to when he takes it. And that's when shit really gets going. Uh, I'm changing my rate. I gave it a high taste at the first time I watched it. I'm going to change it to a Tupperware. I, I love this movie now. It is. I think it's just such an interesting time travel story. That, uh, and I thought, I thought Anthony Mackie's fantastic. I, I thought Jamie Dornan's really good in it. I'm changing my rating. I, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Um, being able to, you know, and I'm watching it again and I know what happens. And so I'm watching it through like that lens of like, yeah, I know what happens. And I, it was, I was surprised at how much I remembered about this movie. And that's, that's due to its credit of, I think, being so good. And I don't, it's not like a huge budget film, but I think like these guys just did something really cool here with time travel and the way that like, you know, they come up, they, you know, Anthony Mackie's character meets the chemist, the guy that invented the drug. It was supposed to be kind of like a, a designer drug and very much like DMT, but you know, it ends up taking people back into, into the past and, and the way he kind of explains like, a record, you know, like you have all these tracks on this record. This drug is the needle that can take you to all these different songs, yeah. basically the needle that takes you to different points in time. And I just thought that that was such an interesting way of telling a time travel story. And when I reviewed it the first time, I said that I think that this could be a very well done TV series. Like if Netflix wanted to like make a synchronic TV series of just like all the different stories of like where people went in the past or like they could do so much more with this whole world of synchronic, this drug. Um, I really, really enjoyed this a lot upon my second watch. Um, what'd you think Winkler? After you yeah, get yourself I, uh, off mute. I just started talking. And don't get they, so defensive. Uh, Jesus Christ. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I agree with what Paul was saying about the first half kind of being 
a little bleak for me. Um, it's just that the uh, kind of the tone was kind of we- it had like a weird like grayish hue draped over the whole movie for like the first half of it, and then once like the uh, the drug scene started happening and uh, all that in the second half, I was really into it. Uh, like you said about the explanation for uh, explaining time travel, I thought that was very creative. Because you see these movies, and sometimes they explain time travel. They're always looking for a new way. So I thought that was pretty creative. And just all around uh, the scenes where he uh, actually consumed the stuff was uh, really exciting for me. And also it had, like, a really wholesome ending. Like, there was a means to the end, and there was kind of a mission that he was on. And I thought throughout the whole movie they were talking about oh well he doesn't know what direction like his life's going and all this stuff and he finally like had this purpose and for him to you know kind of try to do that I thought it was uh, I thought it was really cool I wish um, yeah I just wish they kind of got into it a little sooner and maybe like spread it out more through the movie yeah, I, I I think that's a lot. That's kind of the reason I think I gave it a high taste the first time I watched it. Now watching it the second time, I I knew where this was going, and I think I kind of like appreciated, you know, like the whole like building up the friendship between the two, the talks with the daughter at the beginning, you know, maybe not diving into like his illness, and then also kind of. You know, his friend worrying about like maybe he's got a substance abuse problem. I think it all leads up to like really ramping it up in, in the second half. So it, it worked for me, I think more in my second watch, which is why I changed my rating. But, um, Rebecca, what'd you think about Synchronic? Yeah, I didn't realize that this was a, a theater release last year. Um, so I thought this was like a strictly like a like a Netflix movie, and I, I was like, really, I, I I like this movie more than I thought I would like it because um, I, I've seen some Anthony Mackie Netflix movies. He keeps doing like these sci-fi movies on Netflix, and a lot of them haven't been great. Um, but this one I, I thought was a really really good entry into the Netflix sci-fi thing that that that's going on. Um, I, I definitely see the point of like the first half being a little bit. Um, I definitely do think it is sort of exposition heavy in the beginning. Um, I, I also do think the only I think an issue I have with this movie is that there's a lot of stuff that like conveniently Anthony Mackie knows or has that sets him up for this journey like he conveniently has a thing wrong with the the gland in his body that this drug affects and he conveniently took all these like physics courses which like no one else liked and he's totally into it and um he conveniently knows the guy who the daughter goes missing like there's it's it is a lot of like wow thank goodness this happened so the movie could happen uh that that's like my like one nitpick about this film um i'm gonna give it a high taste i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought anthony mackie was really good in it um and i thought like actually i thought it, it it was a very interesting time travel story, and I do enjoy a good science fiction time travel story. And yeah, I I enjoyed I enjoyed this movie a lot. What'd you think, Tristan? Yeah, I'm gonna echo a bit of uh, what Paul was saying. Uh, you know, 
the exposition part, the first half, you know, I was definitely in a, a tasted territory. And then it just really ramped up um, when he started time traveling and we started seeing the, um, you know, the, the special um, idiosyncrasies of this film. Like just the, the fact that he could go to a different place in time, depending on the location where he takes the drug or where it kicks in. You know, I thought that was really well done and it was fascinating. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought that um, Anthony Mackie, like I, I really like seeing him getting these opportunities. I think he's a really good actor that just, you know, was kind of supporting people for quite a bit of his career. And now he's really kind of taking off. I mean, the guy went to Juilliard. So, you know, he's he's showing what he can do, you know, and he, he really did carry this movie. And I think I think that um, overall, the film was just a spectacle. Like, I think it was like something different. And I really always look for that when I'm watching a film. So it's definitely a Tupperware for me. I love the fact that um, the, the time travel elements mixed with him being a black man going back in time. Like I really related yeah. to that because I always kind of felt that way. Like, like how he just says time travel fucking sucks. <laughs> you know? or, or he says the past fucking sucks. Yeah. Like, you know? the, like, the fucking, like, like Chuck Berry, the Chuck Berry back to the future stuff, like how it's all bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cause I mean, I love back to the future, but I swear to God, since the eighties, I've always been thinking like, yeah, it's cool to time travel, but I would not have fun going back there. Like, I would not, <laughs> me personally. Like, you know, and so, like, I really related to that. But, you know, him being in the deep south, and I'm like, dude, you got to be fucking careful where you go back in the past yeah. here. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely, man. I thought that I loved that scene of him in the bar I just thought was really well done. I'm glad that they kind of, like brought in back to the future into the into the whole mix there and <laughs> talked about that it was it, it, yeah. it, i think that yeah this that's why i i appreciate this movie so much because it's a different way to like handle time travel instead of just like you know a time travel machine or something like that this is a completely different way to handle it and the fact that the lead is a black man that basically like every time he fucking goes back into the past somebody wants to fucking kill him and it's it's like yeah. i've we've never really seen this done before and um yeah. i i thought and anthony mackie you know what he you're absolutely right i want to see this guy get good roles like the guy fucking gets the second season of altered carbon after everybody fell in love with joel kinnaman it's like you got big shoes to fill there with the second season of altered carbon and then but i love his enthusiasm you're not going to find one guy that was more excited to be cast in the marvel cinematic universe like i remember this guy at san diego comic-con just going nuts when they announced him as like the falcon like he fucking was like i think he was like flapping his wings and going oh god he fucking loved <laughs> he the excitement level for this guy so it's well, good. He's like marvel's like dream when it comes to their press tours yeah and this guy like is has so much energy and like he's mm. like he's just always on like yeah. when he's giving these uh these interviews a hundred percent a hundred percent I mean, he's and he's said for quite a while now that like basically he'll he'll he would do anything Marvel asked him to do. Like he he wanted to be a part of the universe. He's happy to have any part that he can. And I love those videos. I'm sure you guys have seen them too, like on YouTube, like of him doing junkets uh, for the movies. Like they they pair him with different people. Like maybe it'll be him and Sebastian Stan, or like him and Chris Evans. But he's just. He's just happy to be there. Like, he just is so into it. And he's very funny. He's very charming. Yeah, I, I like that this movie 
um, I like that I liked him in this movie because he's done a lot of stuff, but I haven't always liked the choices that he's made or um, the stuff he's been given to work with. I, I want to see him now do more of this kind of stuff. Interesting sci-fi. Uh, it doesn't have to be science fiction, but like interesting stuff where he can really just, you know, show us more what he's got. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like this movie quite a bit more upon my second watch. Uh, what I will have to say is <sighs> never take your pets into oh the my past. God. Never yeah. do that. If you're going to fucking take a pet into the past, go to the pet store and buy a fucking lab mice or some lab mouse or something. <laughs> Dude, don't that, take your goddamn dog. God damn it. I sobbed. I just I sobbed. I I, I remember so Rebecca, I like I'd seen it and I was watching it again today and I was like I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. And I the thing that I have to wa- that I have to remind myself as I'm watching anything that deals with anything like that is like Brian, that dog in real life is fine. That yes, that I dog know. in real life is fine and has owners that love him and take care of him. So it's fine. It's just, it's yes. Brian. It's just a movie. And like, that's, oh, I, I, I get that. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do that all the time. Like John Wick, I had to like sit back and say, Brian, it's just a movie. It's just a movie. That dog grew up in a loving household. Yes. Chasing, chasing squirrels and barking at, at cats. He's fine. He is living his best life. <laughs> but then again, when I watch sitcoms from the eighties and they have a pet, I'm I like, no, don't say it. Cause I do yeah, the same thing. I'm like, that dog's dead. <laughs> I do, I do it all the time. I do. Well, half the time, half the time when I'm watching old sitcoms, I'll look at like the two actors that are in it and I'll be like, Oh my God, I'm watching two dead people talk to each other right now. They're both dead. Yeah. 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 I've been watching a lot of, I, I've been watching, I'm on season two, episode 17 or 18 on, uh, too close for comfort on Pluto TV on demand. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a ridiculous, stupid show. Monroe is so stupid. Jim J. Bullock. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I can't get enough of this show. It's the show that I've been watching before I go to bed. Every night. Every night before I go to bed, I'll put on Too Close for Comfort. That fucking theme song. It gets me through the day sometimes. <laughs> Have you, do you remember that theme song? I, I, Off the top of my head, I don't. But if you play it, I know uh, I would. I'm sure I would uh, know it. Here we go. Too Close for Comfort <laughs> theme song. I got to play this thing. It's probably going to play a fucking commercial because that's what YouTube likes to do. <laughs> here we go. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. I love yeah. this. There, uh, yeah. <laughs> they don't make theme songs like this anymore. No. You know what they do that's so brilliant in the title card? It's called Too Close for Comfort, and they take the word close and they squeeze it together. <laughs> Starring Ted Knight. Oh, I love it. Nancy Dussault. Deborah Van Valkenburg. Oh, God. Lydia Cornell. Jesus Christ. She's fucking 65 or some shit. She's like old as my parents. And I would... Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> 
like real talk, Ted Knight was too old to be the father of those girls. He like, was, what was he doing? Hold on. Here's the thing. They, they explain, this is fucking wild about that show. He was, uh, he was like in his late fifties when that show started and he was playing a younger man at 52. He was playing a 52 year old man. And I think he was like really 57 when the mm-hmm. show started and his wife was 10 years younger than him in the show. And in the second season, she gets pregnant. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. The entire second season, she's been pregnant now. So I didn't remember that. So I'm waiting for this baby to come along. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Wow. I, t- I Tupperware too close for comfort. And I Tupperware. <laughs> I Tupperware. <laughs> watch that show i i remember it from my childhood and i yeah um i i do it but i i never watch it as an adult like yeah getting back into it and uh but i have i do remember the show it was like in that same sort of like um they had like that same sort of dreamy music like all the 70s sitcoms had and all that um i i always think of this show and like empty nest as like the the two shows, even though they're like very different, but like I just those two shows in my head are like the ones I remember a lot from my childhood. Oh, I loved Empty Nest. I was uh yeah, too close for comfort. Yeah, yeah. All I remembered was Monroe, the yeah. fact that he was a cartoonist and he drew Cosmic Cow, and then I remembered the I remembered the episode where Monroe got raped. Yeah, that infamous episode. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. which is on Pluto. Mm. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Okay, I have Pluto TV. I, I mostly watch Mystery Science Theater on it, but I, I'm I'm going to watch Too Close for Comfort on it now. Yeah, it's it's on the on demand. So if you go okay, to the cool. on demand portion of Pluto, you can watch all, all of. This has become a Too Close for Comfort, and nobody gives a shit. We can talk. We can talk about it. Later. The problem with those '80s, you know, the problem with those '80s series is that they would be light. And cherry, and then they would just hit you with a dark episode out of nowhere. Oh, always yeah. there had to be a special episode. Somebody was an alcoholic, or somebody got assaulted, or, or somebody was taking drugs. Got diddled. Yeah, they. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like even remember on Family Ties when like Michael J. Fox was like taking speed or whatever to stay awake so he could study all night. Well, I remember like, that uh, it was Family Ties, and. It was, uh, what was the mother's name? Elise. Elise's mm-hmm. brother. Tom Hanks played him. Yes, was an alcoholic. Yeah, was an alcoholic, yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I remember that, yeah, too. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Why did you kill me? I'm not asking that question, but we did watch this on Netflix, and it's, uh, uh who got a chance to watch the, uh, documentary Why Did You Kill Me on Netflix? I did. Yep. No. Uh, the line between justice and revenge blurs when a devastated family uses social media to track down the people who killed 24-year-old Crystal Theobald, directed by Frederick Monk. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a short watch. It's about an hour and 24 minutes. Um, which I appreciated the fact that it wasn't like a four or five part series. Cause, I mean, last week we reviewed, you know, the, the, uh, the robbery heist, the art robbery heist movie, and it was like four parts, and there was like literally like no resolution to anything that we watched in that entire four part docu series. This was an hour and twenty four minutes, and I think it told the entire story. 
and uh this is crazy this girl gets this girl gets shot and then the family uh doesn't trust the police to find the killer and they start using uh social media at this time back in 2006 they're using MySpace to talk to um the guys they believe that were in the gang in um uh, that uh, they believe uh were the ones that shot Crystal uh to figure out you know like you know uh, who was behind the murder but um what did you guys think about this one Rebecca what do you think about why did you kill me Yeah um I I've been watching a lot of true crime lately um so it's I, I it's um I, I this looked really really interesting I have to say I thought it was uh going to be a very interesting story and I and certainly I mean it is an interesting story to a degree um I I think one of the things though that kind of detracts from this story is just um Crystal's mother <laughs> she is wild oh my god I mean, she is that's putting it lightly. I'm, yeah, I'm being I'm being <laughs> nice. She is um I mean she is a drug addict. She talks about that she uh she did use drugs. I I th- um the fact that like she on the, in the interviews is just like I don't I didn't know those cops. I didn't know those detectives. Why would I talk to them about my daughter's murder? That really put me off and I mean she's a real person and this is how she really felt so it's not like I could be like well the writing is terrible I mean it's how she felt but um I I found it very hard to really like sympathize with her in certain in certain ways because I was like okay you you don't want to trust the police I I can understand and appreciate that but at the same time like these cops are like we we we're trying to get evidence to you know help find the your, your daughter's killer and like she almost refused to work with the police and then her whole family was very like very sus- like suspicious and um they all looked like they were meth heads i'm sorry to say but they did um and then it, all, all the gang stuff i i think it was presented very confusingly like a lot of the gang stuff. I, I think the most interesting part of this is definitely the fact that they use social media to try to like flush out these, the, these gang members. But the mom was like out of control. You come meet me and I'll, I'll fuck you up. And I drive this car and I'm like, what is she doing? Yeah. I, I think like on a, uh, I'm going to give this one just to taste it, almost a low taste it. I've seen lots of really more interesting cr- true crime stuff on, on, on Netflix. And I think more um, compelling. I, I don't, I don't think this one is particularly, I, I think the victim gets lost in the craziness of the family. I think that's what happens. And I, and that's what I really didn't care for in this one. Yeah. There's a lot in this. Like, I think like, well, like when they did talk <laughs> about, there's a lot happening. Like when they did talk about crystal, she sounds like an amazing person. She sounded like she was an amazing yeah. person, but yeah. And, and part of me thinks like, and, and I don't even think the family's coming out with everything. Part of me thinks that, you know, I, you know, they, she was just into so much shady shit with like her selling drugs back in the day and her family just having, criminal records i can understand why she didn't trust the police i feel like they did try to pin it on somebody in the family and she was really worried about that so like that would shut you down as far as like giving out information but uh, it's it's 
it's fucked up. It's it's a really fucked up story. She starts she starts basically trying to she starts contacting other gangs on MySpace about the gang she believes that killed her daughter and saying that that gang is calling them pussies and yeah, you know that and and so they're going around and fucking like vandalizing and burning these vehicles that they think Joker owns this guy, this guy in the gang that they believe is calling them pussies. And I'm like, you're putting other people's lives at risk because you're trying to get vengeance. And then she starts talking about like how she at one time was planning on killing them. Yeah. And I'm yeah. just like, oh my God, this lady is I, fucking yeah, wild. She, she did so much to interfere with the investigation and like you could see when they interviewed the detectives they were like yeah we told her not to do that we told her to stay away from like the internet completely like they they like didn't want her doing anything online and i i think she didn't i i get her motivation but again i feel like this documentary focused a lot on like how wild her family was and um, there were like so many moving pieces with the gang stuff that I feel like Crystal's story got really lost in here. Like she's almost a footnote and she's the victim of all of this, but she's almost like a footnote. Oh yeah, she got married and she won all this money in the lottery and she and her husband started a business and then he, he went, he got on drugs and so she, she left him and it's like, there's gotta be more to her than that. And I don't know. It just, I, I didn't like how the victim's story just got completely overshadowed by the antics in her family. I want to see the mom enter the circle. Oh my god! <laughs> she would shake. Belinda. She's already she's already been she's, catfishing people on MySpace. She's a she pro. Won the circle. She's got. She win that hundred grand. Oh you yeah, one hundred percent. Buy for a hundred grand. Oh my god! I would be worried about like when when you do get blocked. If somebody did block her and her showing up to their room, I'd be worried about her killing them. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what'd, you, what'd you think oh my god yeah she owes oh, her on the circle would be amazing uh winkler what'd you think about uh why did you kill me um i thought it was a creative way to get a true crime documentary out there um we've had a lot of like good material true crime wise from netflix um this one uh was probably just a taste it for me um I like how the story is told where you get like, I felt like this was made work with two aspects. I feel like it worked because of the catfishing by Belinda, who is Crystal's mother and Crystal's niece. I thought that was a good aspect of why it worked. And also the interactions between the law enforcement and the family of crystals about like their vigilante activity, essentially about how, like you guys brought up, they were trying to get uh, a party going on 666 so they can go and, like, burn a bunch of shit. And, like, it was it was getting a little out of hand. So I thought that's, uh, like, those antics and dramatics is what kind of made this different from the rest. But I agree with Rebecca that you kind of lose sight of the victim and all of this. They show her picture a bunch with the MySpace profile, 
Well, real quick, shout out MySpace. When they were talking about, like, top eights and stuff, it was very, like, nostalgic and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, like, like, crazy to, like, think back to, like, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the origination of, like, social media and shit. It was crazy. MySpace but, um, was fucking nuts, dude. Can yeah. we talk about the fact that she fucking used, they used her murdered daughter as the profile on MySpace yeah. to yeah. get to know these guys, which... I did think that when the cousin was talking about it, it was, it was pretty powerful the way she was saying, like, it kept, it kept a part of her alive and kept her connected with Crystal. And like, that really spoke to me, you know, like how, you know, I thought that that was pretty powerful, really. Yeah. Yeah. Another, just uh, my last thing that I thought was uh, like a cool aspect was, like you guys brought up about Crystal's family being so like unhinged and has a history with drugs, a history of violence, even some gang activity that it establishes like the sergeant or the police officer doing like the interviews. He establishes very early on that her family is not credible, like whatsoever. So this also leaves like that little bit of doubt in the viewer's mind about like, how is this going to end here? Like it, obviously you don't want to think the family's involved or anything, but the brother, you had him lying to police when he was directly involved that night. Yeah. So it's like, it, it was very sketchy, but I feel like, like I mentioned about the catfishing, and um, oh, I also liked how it was recreated through like a diorama with like little matchbox cars. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was like Doc Brown fucking made that set, you know? Like, yeah. I was yeah. Like, it, was, it was pretty crazy. I was looking at, oh, there's the clock tower. Wow, that's a... <laughs> Oh my god, is that, oh, that is a 2001 Ford Expedition. Great job, guys. It's Twin Pines Mall. Oh my god, you, you did it. Hill Valley has never looked so amazing. Tristan, what did you think about, uh, why did you kill me? Yeah, I have, um, a little bit of a connection to this story because I, I lived in Riverside where this place took, uh, the story took place for about three years or so. I was, I went to high school there and I know about that, that gang culture over there and, and, just the, the lower income communities in that area where it's just very hopeless individuals there. I mean, it's an hour outside of L.A., but like these kids have never been to the beach. They've never been to L.A. They've never been to Disneyland. So, yeah, I mean, that, they're just in this kind of pit of despair. It's a really fucking depressing place. And, um, yeah, I, that that gang, the 5150 gang actually got chased by them. <laughs> when I was like oh probably God. like sixteen or so. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um but yeah, I, I I know about that that culture out there and so that kinda resonated with me. But um yeah, overall the the documentary was um I would give it like like a middle to high tasted. Um I thought like the concept was pretty unique as far as just using MySpace to find the murderer. Um it's like kind of like Crystal was sort of like her spirit was finding her killer mm -hmm. in a sense because, you know, they were kind of uh, the, the, the niece was mimicking how Crystal would respond, you know, and almost kind of like an AI that was Crystal that was, you know, kind of communicating with these these gang members. And um, it was just uh, I just felt that, like, for narrative purposes, I guess they wanted to make the mom, you know, a bit you know, uh, a, a little less um, guilty than she actually was, because I feel kind of like Rebecca was pointing out and, um, you know, Mike and, and Brian, that 
Um, I think in the process of her starting a gang war and like pitting people against each other, like I wouldn't be surprised if the mom got some innocent people killed in that yeah. process, you yeah. know, and oh, and they yeah. probably didn't mention that because I mean they just there's this one part in the documentary where the the detective says, yeah, when we just start seeing white SUVs get firebombed, and it's like I'm pretty sure someone got hurt, <laughs> you know, like it's it's not a joke, like it's like. You know, they just gloss over it like as if, oh, she's just out of antics again. I mean, if you're blowing up SUVs, people are getting injured or killed. Yeah. You know, and and yeah, but overall, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, I I really liked how all the, the pieces fit together. It's not a top notch true crime documentary. There's a lot better ones out there. But I feel that, you know, just the way that everything manifested, the, the way that MySpace um, led to the first domino falling and everything um, eventually leading to the killer. Um, you know, I, I felt that that was pretty unique in itself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I enjoyed it. I'll give it a high taste as well. I, I get it. Yeah. Crystal kind of like, we kind of like lost her story and like lost who she was in, in a lot of this. But on the flip side, this mother's a fucking character. You got to highlight that. You got to fucking highlight that. I mean, seriously. She it's like her daughter, Crystal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Why>? yeah. <laughs> She's a meth head and she named her daughter, Crystal. That's fucking great. Uh, but yeah, it's like uh, when you watch Jerry Springer, that's why everybody fucking watched it. It was, it was a circus. And so you got to You got to highlight how you know insane this mother was and how insane this plan that you know and they did highlight that that was a big highlight of this was the the tactics that she used to like to bring these guys down and bring them to justice it was fucked super fucked up and I, you just don't see i i never saw anything like this before where they're using myspace to to catch the killer here and so i'll give it a high taste it but yeah it is it is unfortunate though that i feel like uh a lot of like who Crystal was is definitely lost in this. They do, you know, they do touch upon it in certain parts of this uh, documentary, but it is, it is lost. I'll give it a high taste. That's why did you kill me? It's on Netflix and you can watch it now. Final thing I want to talk about. Uh, I don't know if you guys have anything else. I know Paul had something he wanted to talk about, but uh, shit house on Showtime. Um, Winkler, I know you got a chance to see this. Yeah, yep, I watched it. Did anybody else watch Shit House? I did. I did not. Okay, a homesick college freshman goes to a party at Shit House and ends up spending the night with his sophomore RA who's had a shitty day and wants someone to hang out with. It's written and directed and produced by Cooper Rafe in his directorial debut. It also stars Rafe as the main character of Alex, uh, Dylan Galula, Amy Landecker, and Logan Miller, who's been showing up in a lot of shit, but Logan Miller's in this one as well. Um, uh, Amy Landecker, she plays uh, the mother of Alex. I saw her most recently in uh, Your Honor, the Brian Cranston um, Showtime series. So here she is in, in a movie on Showtime. I don't think this is a Showtime original, though. I just think they got it. I, but I, I've never seen this advertised before, and then I, I saw an advertisement for it somewhere. And, uh, I wanted to check this out, but, uh, I, 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 at first I wasn't loving this movie. I kind of love this movie now. I, I kind of love this movie and maybe I'm the only one. I don't know, but I kind of love this movie. I, at first I just couldn't connect with the main character. He's, he is so like, because I don't have a lot in common with this character. Like 
the main character is a, a mama's boy has um a tight connection with his mom his sister and and has never really been out on his own he's in he's a college freshman and really kind of like holds on to like some childhood shit like to the point where he's got he talks to his stuffed animal um he has a hard time like interacting with people because he's just so tightly knit with his family that he's never really had friends and and um but as the story went on and he started to like come out of his shell and make more connections and and you know it gets heartbroken but i i kind of fell in love with this movie and i kind of fell in love with the character and i i I'm, I'm in a Tupperware this movie. I, I loved it. I thought it was a great kind of like slice of life movie and, and, and somebody just kind of like finding who they are. And then, and then also being who they are changes someone else and they, they get to see this person for like, what an amazing person this guy really is. I, I don't, maybe I'm a, I don't know if I'm alone on this one. What'd you think, Tristan? No, you're not alone, man. I, I, I Tupperware too, man. It's, um, it was not what I expected. Like I, I just looked at the cover and I saw shit house and I thought it was just going to be some raunchy college comedy movie. Like I had no idea what to expect. Um, I even showed my fiance and she was like, no, I'm not watching that shit. And I just, you know, <laughs> watched it on my own. Yeah. And yeah, I was just, I was just pleasantly surprised, um, by this filmmaker and the, the actor. And, and like you said, in the very beginning, I'm just kind of like, uh, where's this going? This is, really somber it's not what i expected and and you know it just really just picked up as it went along mm. and one thing that i really appreciate about the film is like the dialogue it felt like so natural the way they were speaking like their dialogue just didn't feel like it was scripted it looked like almost like we we're like um kind of um peering in on on you know flies on the wall watching these conversations yeah and I thought the yeah, I thought the characters were all just well cast. I thought the acting was just great. It was very natural. Everything everyone just responded as if they were just embodying the person that they were playing. And it, I was shocked to see that this movie was made for fifteen thousand dollars. It's I mean that's super low budget. Wow. He, did, he he did way more with this film than I've seen a hundred million dollars do. Yeah. You know? So. So, yeah, I mean, this guy, I, I think he's, I hope it gets some attention. I think it won South by Southwest or something. Good. But like, but yeah, I hope it gets, I hope this guy gets some money because I think he can do some great things. Yeah, I really, I'm a fan now. I, I, I really am. I thought yeah. for him to, I didn't know it was made for 15000 I'm super impressed. Wow. $15,000, man. Wow. Wow. I'm super impressed. Um, Winkler, what'd you think about Shithouse, man? Yeah, I, uh, I'm right there with you guys. It was Tupperware for me. Just like, uh, Tristan, just like you brought up, like, the writing was so good. Like, I put that right at the front because I want to highlight that. Like, it was so authentic that you, like, watching the movie, everybody's been through something in their life, whether, you know, whether you like somebody more than they liked you back or you were away at school and you were missing your family or like you were having trouble, like finding yourself because you were too reliant on your family or whatever it may be. Like this movie touches on so many bases of like the authenticity is just 
seeping out of this movie, and that made me love it. Um, right off the bat, like they go to this party at a frat house that's called the Shit House, which is like kind of funny, and they even make some like jokes about it in the movie. Like, who would name like a frat house the Shit House? But uh, at a school by my hometown, there's a sorority called Vaj Mahal. So like I know all about these like funny names, fucking places and stuff. Dude, they had the best parties at Vaj Mahal. It was awesome. <laughs> Is Vaj Mahal like not canceled in 2021? Oh, I'm sure. Like I'll I'll uh, ask one of my friends who's going to school there now. I'll see what it turned into if it changed. But uh, but yeah, I thought that was fucking awesome like touch to it but um like you guys said in the beginning i thought i was getting into like a like a super bad vibe or you know something of that nature and it ended up being like a slice of life feel good moments there was like a lot of cringe and awkwardness but that's going hand in hand with this like kind of like age group for the movie like first year in college don't know what you're doing but um i fell in love with these characters I really feel like Alex's character from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie made such a huge jump that like his character development was fantastic. And even though the first half of the movie was only one night, the second half of the movie was like a lot longer than that. There was even like a little bit of a time jump. So I thought Alex's character just was so well written, so well acted. And the fact that he's the director too, was just Mm -hmm. even more impressive for me. Yeah, I love this movie. Tristan, you're 100% right. Like, it feels like you're a fly on the wall listening into these conversations that feel so genuine and so real. And, um, I mean, just some of the, like, the, the scenes of him alone, um, with Maggie and talking on their first night. And then, like, you know, the awkward next day where she, like, really wants nothing to do with him. And, you know, they end up, you know, hanging out at a party for a little bit and then have like this big blow up of like, you know, like, you know, why are you not into me and stuff? It, it is so, it is such a fucking great movie. And yeah, I hope this, this director gets more opportunities and I hope this gets a lot more attention. Everybody, if you have Showtime, you should watch this. I don't know what it is to rent. It's a kind of a shame that this is on Showtime and not on Netflix. I think like if this was on Netflix, a lot more people would be watching it and talking about it right now. If you want to do it through Amazon, um, you can sign up. If you sign up through Amazon for Showtime, it's ninety nine cents a month, and you can cancel any time. So essentially, you can get it for ninety nine cents. There you go. And there's a shitload of other stuff on Showtime. So, fuck. What was it? Oh, Halo was supposed to be on Showtime. Where did that? Where did that move to? Paramount Plus. Yes. I think it was yeah. Paramount, yeah. Showtime, I don't know. I don't know what they're fucking thinking. Like, I don't... Yeah. I don't know how they're gonna fucking... I don't know how Showtime or Stars is gonna survive now. You know? Yeah, some of these streaming services just need to combine. Yeah. 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 What was it? Uh Stars just had, like, a new announcement of a new show, I think, like, yesterday or today... And it sounds like it it could be a really good show, but it's like, yeah, Stars orders horror comedy, Shining Veil. And it's got a really, it's got an interesting cast here. It's got Courtney Cox, Greg Kinnear, Myra Sorvino, and it's a half hour series. Oh, wow. But it's like, you know, it's like, what, what else is there on Stars now? Right. Yeah. Because you got to understand that people are like. 
obviously, like, Netflix is uh, spreading out some of their newer shows so people can't just sign up for a month, watch the show, and then leave. Yeah. But services like Stars and even Showtime and stuff like that, like Showtime for your honor. You know how many people signed up for their free trial and then just bounced out? Yeah. It so just it's like wait yeah. for it to complete, sign up for your free trial, watch it, binge it. You know, oh, yeah, I got to watch my Brian Cranston show, and now I'm out. That's why I feel bad I, like, suggested doing the Amazon thing for 99 cents, but this movie's worth it. I mean, maybe stick around if you... I mean, 99 cents a month is, you know, nothing, so maybe stick around. But um, also, real quick, like, when you guys were watching this, did you, like, like the scenes where... Like, no spoilers or anything, but he was talking to his family, like, later in the movie, mm-hmm. and he was, like... He realized mm-hmm. he was, like, holding himself back... Yeah, and I just thought that was like such a powerful scene, man. He kind of like breaks down his family, and he's like, "Guys, like I made up these friends, so you'd think I was happy, but in doing that, I was holding myself back. So now I'm just like gonna do my own thing. I'm gonna make friends. I'm gonna do this, and like I don't know. I was so impressed with his character. It was super powerful, and his sister sitting back listening and crying, and yeah, it was it was it was. I I couldn't relate to the character, okay? I couldn't relate to the character at the beginning. I had to watch this character's journey, figure out who he was to relate to him because I am nothing like this character as far as like, you know, the kind of like family environment he was raised in. So it he you know, uh, holding on to like the, you know, talking to a stuffed animal, all that stuff I could none of this stuff I could relate to. I was just like I, but I fell in love with this character. I, I was rooting for him. You know, I'd say by the, you know, the second half of this movie, I'm just, I'm, I'm rooting for this guy that I feel like I have zero in common with. And I think that that was, uh, that, that's a sign that's a really good, it's a really good directed and really good written film with great characters. Yeah, and apparently the, yeah, apparently the film was, uh, based upon his own experiences. So it felt personal. I mean, he was, it yeah, felt he was playing super, out his life. Mm-hmm, it felt super personal. That does not surprise me at all. It does not surprise me. You should be really proud of it. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. This is, it's called Shit House. It's on Showtime. If you have Showtime, I highly recommend it. Fucking Winkler says you can get it for ninety nine cents. Christ, watch this movie. If you're gonna get it, if you're gonna get it, watch. Fuck it, watch Your Honor as well. My God, did you hear that they might have a second? <laughs> did they that shit? Did they cancel it? No, 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 I said, and then cancel it. And then cancel it, yeah. Did you hear that they might have a second season of Your Honor? Oh, wow. Where do you go after that? I don't know. Where the fuck could you go? (laughs) I mean, if Brian Cranston's in it, I'm watching it. Oh, my God. I don't know where you could go, but I thought it ended really good. Didn't you, Tristan? Yeah, I mean, I was the whole time I was just thinking, there's no happy ending for this thing. Like, it can't be, (laughs) you know? And, and yeah, I, I liked how it ended. Oh, I I was I was blown away by the end. Did you watch it, Winkler? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. That ending. I was hyped up. But like you said, like there like Tristan, like you were thinking, like there's no way this like ends well for everybody. That's like my vibe too. And just like you said, I don't know how there could be a second season, but I I'm if there is, I'm watching it. Yeah, t- I guess they're talking about a second season. There's talk about a second season, which is crazy. I think about every every episode that I do of this podcast, I'm like it's how could it end well? How can That's what I think about this oh, show. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what number are you on now? Oh my god, this is 377. <laughs> 
Yeah, bro, you're you're doing something, man. You should be proud of yourself. What's crazy is, oh, once we hit 365, you could listen to one episode every day of the year if you wanted to. That wild. That's crazy. That wild. About, man. As well as, and, and we got a bunch of bonus episodes too. There's so much fucking PCL content out there. It's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking dumb. It's fucking dumb, man. <laughs> It's fun. Yeah, I, you know, there's, there's no, there, there are a lot. There, I, I am the most proud of this podcast from like the friends that I've made. You know, that's why I, I'm, I'm the most proud uh, with the friends that I've made from this podcast. That's the, that's, that's, that's what's made this so much fun. That's what's made this so much fun. Let's take, oh, Paul, you had something you wanted to bring up. I just have two super quick things. They're both on Disney Plus. Um, if you're a fan of the Mighty Ducks, the Mighty Ducks Game Changers right now, I'm at a Tupperware. I definitely have the nostalgia of blinders on. Um, it's like they're definitely rehashing a lot of storylines from the first movie with a lot of the new characters. But to see Emilio Estevez fall back into the role of Gordon Bombay and be with the kids, it's just there's something magical. And one, uh, the next show is on Disney+. Plus. Um it has been hyped up all over Milwaukee and Wisconsin. It's called a big shot with John Stamos and there has been billboards. The marketing is kind of shitty because it's got a picture of him with a bunch of teenage girls and the tagline is he's taking his shot. So I, I just, just like, what the fuck is this? This is kind of, this is kind of really weird. Come on, um, but it was made yeah, a big for real. <laughs> yeah I, I don't know who who approved that but it's it's literally outside of my school i see it every day when i drive in just stay most <laughs> with all these teenage girls that said he's taking his shot like oh god um but it was a lot like the begin like the first scene was filmed in wisconsin cuz he plays a wisconsin badgers basketball coach and he is 100% just about winning in the game, and he ends up throwing a chair Bobby Knight style and knocks out a ref. So he gets, like, blacklisted from basketball, and the only way he can kind of make a comeback is if he goes to a private all-girls high school to coach their basketball team. It's super cliche. Like, I was telling you on break, it's kind of like the opposite of Ted Lasso. He doesn't give a shit about the kids, like, about who they are as people. Um he just wants to win, but he's slowly starting to crack to realize, hey, I can't tell a teenage girl she needs to lose five pounds in front of everybody. Like, that's just something you really should not do ever, especially in high school. And it's just shit like that. Um, it's got it's got Yvette Nicole Brown as the principal. Uh, I'm going to give it a high taste it. I, I just kind of live for these feel-good stories, and I think John Stamos is killing it as – just kind of an asshole um that's starting to come around it's been a lot of fun the first episode is on disney plus so i if you're a fan of the sports genre i would give mighty ducks game changers and big shot a definite try uh, I, I, I still to this day have never watched the mighty ducks oh i am man that was my youth I I'm give a little Giants guy yourself. No, I'm a <laughs> the ice box. I'm a bad news bears. I'm a bad news bears, and I'm talking like the '70s bad enough. news bears guy. Mm-hmm. 
Me not that Billy Bob Thornton bullshit. Not that Billy Bob Thornton bullshit. And when it comes to the Mighty Ducks, I don't know. Maybe I, it's, it's just I just I give two Mighty fuck. I give zero Mighty fucks when it comes <laughs> I to. That. I, I just. But maybe I would like. Maybe I would like it. Maybe I would like it if I watched it. I just and I know it has so much nostalgia for a lot of '90s kids, but. You know, I think I was like at the age where I wasn't watching that kind of stuff. I think like, I, I think like the last thing I remember kind of like watching and maybe connecting to was the sand lot. Mm, I mean, come on, dude. Mm, yeah. So good. Damn lot. I, I did watch the mighty, I watched the first mighty ducks movie. Like I'm going to say not too long after it came out, like when it became available, like, uh, like on, on DVD or whatever. Um, that that first movie, it's it's a it's actually like a really sweet, wholesome movie. Like it's and it's got a lot of kids in it who you'll recognize like now, who are like fr- fr- from other stuff as adults. Um, and I don't know, like Emilio, I have a soft spot in my heart for Emilio Estevez for some reason. I I just I I loved him in like Young Guns and stuff. Oh God, and, yeah. I mean, so like I don't know. Whenever he has a new project coming out, I'm like. Okay, Emilio, I'll watch you. Like it's it's just um it's a sweet movie. You might actually enjoy it, Brian, because uh, I, I didn't watch any of the other movies, so I don't know how this how how the series goes. But I really love that first one. I loved him in Judgment Night. Oh my god, I love Judgment. Oh Night. my yeah, gosh, so yes, that is a great movie. And then uh, do you remember a little movie with him and Charlie Sheen called Men at Work? Uh, do I remember it? <laughs> I own it. So yes, I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like Down Under. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How fitting to talk Full about circle. that. Full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Music comes out of the background. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, hold on. So take- I gotta, I gotta play it. Come on, hurry up, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> yes! I love this song. Traveling in a fighter come on a hippie trail head full of zombies. I met a strange lady, she made me breakfast, then she took me in and made me breakfast. She said, do you come from London? Ah, what a great song. How can you listen to that song and be in a bad mood? Can't. Oh, impossible. You can't. Every movie trailer for any movie that takes place in Australia. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kangaroo Jack. (laughs) I think it's like, it's like. All in full of muscle. Yeah, I love that line. Uh, (laughs) A man from Brussels, six foot four and full full of of muscles. muscles. Uh, Jean Claude Van Damme? Damn, right. Is that who he met? (laughs) Damn right he did. (laughs) I think this song is like on repeat in Chris Hemsworth's head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you better run. You better take cover. Ah. Oh, the fucking flute. You don't hear many, you don't hear many songs these days with flutes. No. You gotta have balls. You also don't hear many songs where, uh, somebody whistles in it. 
Uh, unless you're watching the Andy Griffith show or listening to uh, fucking Guns N' Roses Patience. Who the fuck is whistling in Patience? <laughs> is that Axl Rose? Can Axl Rose fucking whistle? Is that Axl Rose? Who the fuck is whistling in that? They're, they're, they're whistling Dixie. They are killing it whistling. That's, that's, that's a lost art whistling. Is, you know what I mean? Is it one of those like, um, do you know those really like girthy whistles where like, you know, I called the dad whistle when I was a kid. My dad would like put his thumb in his like pointer finger in his mouth and give like the loudest whistle. Oh, I, can't do that. I could do that. I don't know how people do that. Me neither, dude. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to the Guns N' Roses patience whistle. Oh, somebody did it. Somebody did, somebody did the no whistle. Way, I'm Luke. <laughs> Hold on. This is like, I think this is like a girl who did the whistle. Let's see if she could do it. Oh my God. This is a girl doing it. She's doing it. Oh my God. You gotta get her on the show. She's so good. That's me doing it. Dude, your whistle's not that bad, man. <laughs> oh, she killed it. <laughs> oh, I love that song. I fucking love Patience. What a great song. That's a good song. Oh, my- you know what's a good whistling song, too? <laughs> uh, two off the top of my head. The Bengals walk like an Egyptian and um uh sitting on the dock of the bay by Otis Redding. Oh. Excellent whistling yeah. song. Yeah. I wanna know, like uh walk like an Egyptian, why do the kid why do the kid why do the all the people go hey yo in that song? You know what I'm talking about? And all the and the, the, there's a kid in that song and they and they all go, Hey yo. Right. What what why? why? I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to ask the Bengals. Yeah, I'm going to ask them. I, yeah. I'm gonna ask them. Yeah. I wonder if it's from the same. What's that song where it's like, uh, a boom, 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 let me hear you say way Wayo, Wayo. It's the no. same people from that. They did the way from the other song. <laughs> it's a sequel to that. <laughs> yeah, All of our listeners are praying that this conversation ends. <laughs> they just want to hear Marvel news. Hey, get the Marvel news, fuckers! You're talking about talking about whistling. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. We'll come back with the news. Okay. Fucking old school. are so fresh. Snap! Alright, well, welcome back. We're gonna get into the news. Rebecca, you're eating popcorners. Yeah, but I'm on mute when I'm when I'm crunching, so have you guys have you heard of the have you heard of the new popular thing that people have been doing with popcorn recently? Salads. Popcorn oh my God. popcorn, popcorn salad. salad. Is that Let a me- real thing? Yes, it's people a real are- thing. People are putting that on the Midwest. I've never seen that before in my life. Well, the, the, the lady who, who made it, she said it was a Midwest favorite. That's what she said, right? And me not being from the Midwest, I was like, 
What the fuck are you all eating out there? I ain't eating no fucking. Po- I ain't eating no fucking popcorn salad. I'll tell you that much, Rebecca. No I way. Say, <laughs> I, I asked on Facebook. I put, I asked on Facebook for my Midwest friends to tell me if that was a thing. And every single one of them said that is not a Midwest thing. One person said they had it one time in the South. Yeah. They yeah. had a popcorn salad in the South. And that pop, let me tell you, so you watch that video, she takes a bite. It is not good. She's like, mm, it's not good. She, she is lying. She's a lying ass. She's a yeah. lying ass lady. That popcorn in the South. salad was oh, yeah. not good. That looked terrible. If I went to somebody's house and they served me popcorn salad, I'd flip the table <laughs> over and leave. Yeah, you just punch me in the face. Uh, you know, <laughs> just, just fucking hit me. I thought popcorn salad was when you're fucking eating ass and somebody ate corn the night before. I'm gonna toss that popcorn salad. Tongue Punch your popcorn butthole. There we go. <laughs> I'm gonna oval red and bocker your butthole. <laughs> Man, what the fuck was it? What is up with the 70s and 80s where the fucking, where, where your spokesmen were two dorky white guys? <laughs> that motherfucker, that fucking the oval red and bocker guys, him and his fucking son. What the fuck? What the fuck? How, how the fuck are those guys selling popcorn? I don't know. <laughs> Same way that Paul Newman was. Oh, uh, Paul Newman was cool though. Yeah, Paul, Paul Newman was a movie star like that. I yeah, like that. Ah, uh, the fucking hustler. His, his salad dressing is delicious. His salad oh, dressing yeah, is the best. They are delicious. Yeah, his sauce <laughs> is pretty damn good too. And his uh, fucking his pasta, his pasta, uh, uh, the fucking sauce is good. Yeah, spaghetti sauce is good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, good stuff. Yeah, he's dead. I watched a scene with him and a dog the other day, and I was like, "Yep, both dead." Oh, <laughs> oh man! Aww. Every time I watch an old Benji movie, I'm like, "Yeah." Oh, oh, Benji. <laughs> I used to love Benji movies when I was a kid. I, I did too. I was so traumatized by that Benji movie. Remember the, I, I know there were a couple of them, but it was one where like the kids got kidnapped and. Yeah. And, and, and Benji got kidnapped, but then Benji escaped, of course, and like went and got people to help. But man, that movie traumatized me for a long time. Like I was like, <laughs> someone's gonna kidnap me, and like I, I, it was, yeah. That that movie was dark. That was a pretty dark. Movie. Uh, growing up, like, my house sucked. I kind of wanted to be kidnapped after a while. Oh no, shit! No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? I say, what's the, what's the deal here? I get in your white van, you tie me up to a radiator. <laughs> Do I get? Hey, I I, I, I literally <laughs> asked. <laughs> I literally, it was, I think it was like a heating and air conditioning guy in a white van. I said, what, do I get three squares a day? I was just, I was. Oh, yeah, what kind of candy you got in there, boss? <laughs> Brian's asking people for candy. Motherfucker had Turkish delights and I sucked his dick. Woo! the wheels are off. It's fine. I'll get in the van. 
<laughs> Turkish delights. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> you ever heard of a popcorn salad, sir? <laughs> it happened right underneath the John Stamos billboard too. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Hey, welcome to the pop culture leftovers news portion of the show. <laughs> Oh, oh, I, I'm playing the bumper, but I got the music down. Oh, yeah, oh, here we go. Here we go. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's the left of a news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. I literally just told a fake story about a younger version of myself, childhood version of myself, sucking a man off in a heating and air conditioning van. That is fucked up. That's what's going to happen. That's <laughs> <laughs> That's your origin story. My orgy story, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. I hope to God my principal doesn't listen. To oh. but do not advertise that you're on this thing, Paul. Please. <laughs> <laughs> News from Dark Horizons: Jacob Tremblay uh, from Room, Doctor Sleep, Good Boys, is set to co-star with Peter Dinklage in Macon Blair's new reimagining of Troma's iconic low-budget Toxic Avenger comedy franchise at Legendary. When a struggling everyman is pushed into a vat of toxic waste, he is transformed into a mutant freak who must go shunned, must go from shunned outcast to underdog hero as he races to save his son, his friends, and his community from the forces of corruption and greed. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman uh, and Michael Hurst will serve as producers on the new take, which follows in the wake of multiple films, a stage musical production, a children's cartoon TV series, and a Marvel comic. Um... What are your thoughts on this? I, I honestly like. I love the Toxic Avenger. I grew up watching the Toxic Avenger. I think like the first time I saw it was like on USA Up All Night when it was like edited, and then I was like, "Oh my god, there's an unedited version of this one." So I went out and I, I think I went to Video World, uh, which was our, our video our local video store in my town, and. um I went to Video World and picked up uh, the Toxic Avenger on VHS, and I just I was like, "Oh my god, this movie has everything that a fucking twelve-year-old boy wants to see in a movie." It was just so ridiculous. It had it had uh, it had uh, gore, uh, fake blood, uh, uh, fucking uh, boobs. It had everything that a twelve-year-old boy wanted to see. I loved it. The more I'm hearing about this kind of like bigger budget. I'm, I think it's gonna take all the charm out of like what I loved about the Toxic Avenger. I'm, I think it's good to get like the name out there and maybe bring more attention to the Toxic Avenger. But on the flip side, I don't think that this is ever going to. I think when you take it like a B movie like this and you turn it into like a big production, I don't see this going well. Yeah, I, I agree with you a lot on this. I think the reason why we loved these kinds of movies is because of that low production value. And you knew it was like a shoestring budget. You know, they had like 10 bucks to shoot this thing and they, and they made it work. And it's, you know, the, the toxic Avenger is like one of those movies that I, I love it because it's so self-aware of what it is. And it's not out here trying to win an Oscar for best picture. It's just trying to be a fun, silly movie. Um, I, 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 I'm not a fan so far of like the whole remake that they're doing only because 
I, I just don't think it's going to end. I, I don't think it's going to end well either, personally. Is is, is somebody playing Galaga? <laughs> Sorry. I, heard I don't know. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, anybody else have any thoughts on it? I love Jacob Tremblay. I think he's a really fine actor. I love Peter Dinklage. I just don't know about – I think we're taking away all the charm from Toxic yeah. Avenger. Any other Toxic Avenger fans? My my only experience is the cartoon, the Toxic Crusaders. Toxic Crusaders, it. Toxic. How have you never seen the movie, Paul? I don't know. I'm a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like so I I don't know. I I'll definitely watch it because I I kind of want to get in to the character, and I'm a huge Jacob Tremblay fan just from him traumatizing me in uh, Doctor Sleep. Um, I think the kid has a bright future, so it'd be cool to see him in this, but. Going off what you guys say, it does sound like it could take the magic away from what made that first one so special with it being kind of low budget. But again, I'm just going off of a 1991 cartoon that aired for 13 episodes. Oh, dude, I used to watch that shit, too. I remember the toys, too. I remember the toys. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, you just wait. Those toys are coming up pretty soon on one of our Patreon episodes. Have you seen the oh, oh, Paul, have you seen the have you seen the new reaction figures they've been doing for the Toxic Crusaders? I have not, no. Yeah, you know those reaction figures, right? They look like the yeah. little, yeah, like, uh, what is it, like the little G.I. Joe type figure. Yeah, they've been doing them with uh, Toxic. Oh, they got the He-Man ones, too. Have you seen those? No, I haven't. I'm looking them up right now. I'm asking Jeeves. Hey, asking Jeeves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I don't, Rebecca, what do you think? Like, do you think somebody now watching Toxic... Do you think Toxic Avenger should have been like it's like it's like one of those things like you had to watch it when you were a kid and, or or when it came out to like really appreciate it? Do you think like you could do you think Paul could watch Toxic Avenger now and uh and dig it? I think if the right person watched it right now, yeah. they would. Um you know, I mean, we, we've talked about it before on this show of like how, you know, I love, I love terrible movies. I love mystery science theater, right? I love uh, Velocipaster, Psycho Gorman. I love all that stuff, right? Because the production value is so low and it's so self-aware of what it is. I, I think if the, the person that was like into stuff like that would watch the Toxic Avenger today, I think they would have a love and appreciation for it. But other than that, I, I could see people watching it and be like, I, I, I don't get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So I don't know. I, they, they just keep, I don't know. I, 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 I'm kind of down on, I love Jacob Tremblay, love Peter Dinklage, but I'm kind of down now. The more news that comes out about this and the castings and stuff like that, I'm kind of down with it. I don't know if this works with like big budget and, and big time actors. I think that it loses its charm. So we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully it'll put some more eyes on Toxic Avenger because we got to keep these things going that we love. But anyway, news from Deadline. Indiana Jones 5. Mads Mickelson joins Harrison Ford and Phoebe Waller-Bridge in sequel. So last week we got the news of Phoebe Waller-Bridge from Fleabag uh, joining uh, the sequel. Now, Mads Mickelson, I want to know what your guys' thoughts are. I mean, here's the, here's the thing I've been hearing from everybody. Here's the thing. 
Oh, I love I love the first three movies, but that fourth one, man, that fourth movie, I'm telling you, man, that it's like that fourth fucking movie came, it, it like like did like did a home invasion with everybody and just fucking like stole all your shit and fucking uh, you know just trashed your home and uh, you know. It's like this, this movie just destroyed, like the fourth movie destroyed everyone so fucking much that they're just like so, and the fact that, 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 that Harrison Ford's like 97 years old. Like everybody is just like, he's fucking, he's, he's fucking, he's like 70 something. He's like, he's so old. And that fourth, that fourth movie was just so bad that it doesn't, I so old in that movie. I honestly feel like the Indiana Jones five could release with a stimulus check and people would still be like, fuck this movie. <laughs> fuck this. This movie paid me $2,000 to watch it and fuck this movie. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know. I don't know what they can do to, to turn people around on this, to be quite well, honest Mangle. with you. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that he's doing it, I think that's going to get people on board. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to sign on to something that shit i mean he just touches you know great films you yeah know, we're talking about poor v ferrari and logan and yeah you know, i think just the fact that he signed on that's promising and uh i don't i don't know how they're gonna pull it off because i don't I, I mean 12 years ago that was what 12 13 years ago when number four came out in 2007 i believe okay so 14 years ago and harrison poor was old as shit then yeah you know so like i don't know how the hell they're gonna pull it off but J.J. Um, Abrams was somehow to, able to get them to liven up a little bit for Force Awakens. So I don't know. Maybe they might be able to do that in this one. But, yeah, it's just it's – just, I mean, he's, he's old and he's Harrison Ford. I just don't know how he's going to carry that movie as Indiana Jones. Yeah. Uh, I totally get what you're saying. I am kind of excited about this. Uh, I love Mads Mikkelsen. And I think if they can prop – like. I just keep thinking about like the later Clint Eastwood movies where it wasn't super action, like, you know, Gran Torino and even yeah. the mule. He wasn't ter Like they played to his strength and he still came off like a fucking badass. Like I'm sure they can find a way to do that with Harrison Ford. I definitely have the faith that we're going to get back to form because we've just been rewatching one and three here. I'm too, too terrified to show Hazel part two right now. Um, with the oh, monkey man, brains and the, and the collie. Well, totally. But her and I have been like rewatching last crusade on loop. She's obsessed with that movie. So yeah. it's making remember like how awesome the series is. And yeah, I think they could really pull it off if they play to his strengths. I just keep thinking of, you know, grand Torino and stuff like that, where he still came off like a badass without doing a lot. And I wonder if they can actually apply some of that to this. I mean, that's, that's a great point you bring out, Paul, about, about Clint Eastwood's career, but my only devil's advocate point to that would be, are you going to go see an Indiana Jones movie because you want to see Harrison Ford chill out for two hours? Like, no, I just, I, I don't know if this is the right property to, to do that with Harrison Ford. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree to take an IP and take Harrison Ford and give him that type of stuff to work with. I think he could excel in that. Yeah. I just don't know if this is the right property to take that approach. And I'm not saying that they will take that approach. I just, 
uh, how many how many more movies are they realistically going to make with him before and if they want to continue the series i mean do they are they going to hand it over to another actor to take take up the um of Indiana Jones type role. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm not personally, I'm not super excited for the sequel, even though it's got like great people in it. I just, I, I don't know what to expect from a movie like this. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Clint Eastwood, he makes these movies that creates an environment that he can, you know, really shine in, you know, like the mule and, and Gran Torino and stuff. So like, yeah, it, it definitely works for an old actor, um, in those settings, but it's like almost like you have to create an Indiana Jones movie that's a very vast departure from what we're used to because Indiana Jones, like part of his character is running, you know, jumping, death-defying stuff. Well, I mean, I'm all for Indiana Jones versus the library's Rolodex, but that's just me. I'm sorry. That was a bad joke. <laughs> I want to see, see Indiana Jones. I want to see... <laughs> Oh, oh, we couldn't do. That. I want to see any. I want to see Indiana Jones like on the internet, but he can't. We can't do that because like <laughs> now, yeah, because like he'd be dead by the time the internet came around. Um, <laughs> it's true. They're gonna have to set this one in like the sixties, right? Sixties or seventies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody was saying. I think an article said if they're doing this like in real time of how old Harrison Ford is and how old Indiana Jones is supposed to be. This has got to be like in the sixties at some point. So, I mean, are, are are we going to, I mean, are we going to do the whole, you know, psychedelic, psychedelic man? Like, is that what this movie is? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine James Mangold doing something that ridiculous, but, um, I, I don't know. I, I fear, like, fear and loathing and in Indiana Jones. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's like at this point, it, Harrison Ford is just so older that he, I mean, what is he going to do in this movie? What adventure is he going to have? I, I, just, I don't know. Maybe he's going to be shopping for adult diapers. Maybe that'll be what we see. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. yeah, he's gonna have to drive something like the entire movie. Yeah, right. Like, how how many scenes could we shoot of Harrison just sitting down? Like that way, he doesn't have to exert himself. <laughs> Driving Mr. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Driving Mr. Jones. That's funny. Oh, I like that. Paul is funny. <laughs> I don't know. It's Doctor Jones. It's sorry. it's still it's still James Mangold. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna give this a shot though. I and I'm 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 excited to I'm see. 100%. Yeah, I'm there with you. Yeah. Winkler, you're surprisingly quiet. Well, I was just uh, taking it all in. But, I mean, if Mads Mikkelsen is involved, I'm definitely going to watch it. Whether we get to see, you know, what all of us want with um, Harrison Ford and stuff. But I imagine Mads Mikkelsen will be, like, a pretty sweet villain. Uh, is he going to be the villain, or is he going to be oh, the no, villain? I, I don't, just oh, I don't think that, said right? that. I was just saying, do you guys think that'll be the direction they go? It could be. It could be. Like, it makes sense to have him as the villain. He he makes a great villain, but like, could could this be like a twist? Like, could he be? Could Mads Mikkelsen uh, not be the villain? Could Phoebe Waller Bridge actually be the villain in this one? That'd be cool. Oh yeah, I'd like that. I just. 
Whenever I see Mads Mikkelsen like involved in something, I always assume he'll be. I do too. If if I had to put money on it, if I had to put money on it, I'd say that Mikkelsen's going to be the villain. If I had to put money on it, yeah, and he just seems like a perfect, you know, Indiana Jones villain, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And Phoebe Waller Bridge, I mean, her strengths, you know, is her writing and 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 I just see her being someone that's going to be heavily like a presence that's heavy throughout the movie you know her lighthearted comedy yeah hopefully yeah, she's a script a doctor for this fucking movie i think it probably <laughs> needs it you know so um news from dark horizons oh yeah yeah this is this is interesting brothers jim and john thomas the pair who wrote john mctiernan's iconic 1987 sci-fi action classic predator have filed a lawsuit against disney THR reports that they seek confirmation of successfully recapturing rights to the franchise, but Disney's 20th Century Studios unit has hit back, filing its own lawsuit against the brothers with the goal of retaining rights. So, yeah, uh, essentially the Thomas brothers are seeking to exploit copyright laws, termination provision, which allows authors to cancel transfers after waiting a period of time, usually 35 years for newer works. According to the complaint, the effective termination date for their screenplay is this Saturday, April 17th. That's today. And the pair say they served the termination notice all the way back in 2016 and heard no objection until January 2021. It was then the studio's lawyers contacted Thomas lawyers contesting the termination notice as untimely. Their argument is reportedly based on a theory that the 1986 blah, 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 blah. So basically they want, they want the rights to the fucking predator back they want the rights to the predator back um disney at last report disney has been eyeing a reboot with 10 cloverfield lane director dan trachtenberg at the helm of a i love dan trachtenberg i think he's really fucking talented um i don't know i um what do you guys think would you (laughs) honestly (laughs) honestly i i think it should stay I think it should stay with Disney. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, and like Disney, Disney's going to pull out all the stops because this could set a crazy precedent for other franchises that kind of got acquired in this Fox thing to all of a sudden come out of the woodwork to try to do what these guys are doing. I think Disney's going to put up a huge fight and that in the end it's going to stay with Disney and I think they'd do a good job with it. Yeah. I don't think any other movies compared to like, you know, what those guys have done with the first movie, but on the flip side, you know, I, you know, Disney's got the rights and uh, I kind of want to see, like, hopefully Dan Trachtenberg gets a shot at Predator. Yeah. I'd love to see that, but yeah, I do. I think you're right, Paul. Like this opens up a whole new can of worms, right? And Dis, yeah. And Disney's got the money to fight it. I think if anything, oh, yeah. they're really going to make an example out of these two guys. Yeah. 100%. You're not beating the mouse's lawyers, man. No, no way. No. No, this is wishful thinking. This is wishful thinking. Uh, is there anything that Disney could do with Predator other than Dan Trachtenberg to like get fans back? I mean, I think that last movie, like, I'm that sorry. Was that was rough. Yeah, yeah. And oh, Jacob Tremblay was in that movie. He was good. <laughs> I didn't need him. The little kid and the, I don't need, I don't keep kids out of predator movies. Fuck off. I don't, I don't need that. 
Yeah, like the Band of Brothers thing didn't like work for me in this newer Predator. Like it was awesome in the first one, like the first two when it was like the, you know, the soldiers and the rainforest and like then on to like the second one, obviously. But the new new age Predator is just not doing it for me. So I'd be impressed if they come up with something. Clearly, they have something like in mind unless like Paul brought up that they're just doing this to like make an example out of the properties that they still have for people not to come chasing them. And didn't at the end of that 2018 film predator at the end, wasn't there a human in a predator suit? Yes. <laughs> it was stupid. It was, so dumb. it was like them trying to have their Arnie covering in mud moment. It was dumb. It was so terrible. Ah, uh, ah, uh. and I forget the actress's name. Oh God, what a rookie move! Um, Olivia Munn. Yeah, yeah, dude, Olivia Munn. When <laughs> when the spaceship was like crashing down in that Predator movie, she ran like thirty miles in like two and a half minutes. She's she fast, like, saw dude. the she saw the ship going down, and then she showed up right at the crash scene. I was like, hey, <laughs> hey I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything they can do with Predator. I don't know. I wanted to see Rambo versus Predator. That's what I wanted to see. Yeah. That I'd watch. Yeah. I'd watch Rambo versus Predator all day. I'd watch, I'd watch a lot of things versus Predator. I'd oh, watch, yeah. Give me like. I'm, I, I know like a, a lot of people don't like that Alien versus Predator movie. I fucking love that movie. I thought the I first so one was okay. I thought the first one was okay. I, I did. I I thought it was okay. I liked it. I liked it. I, the second one was garbage. I don't think I ever saw the second one. Yeah. I only saw the first one. Like, did I see the second one? I don't even remember. It, 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 if I did, it's probably not that good. I can't remember it. But no, I I love that first Alien vs Predator movie. It's just a lot of fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh yeah. I I I can't. I didn't hate it. I didn't. I didn't love it. But I liked it. I did like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. dug it. I yeah, dug what was the too. second one? Like the Requiem or something? Yeah. 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 That was dumb. I don't know, man. The more they keep going with some of these movies, the more they need to stop. Because I, I loved, and yeah. I know this is not a popular opinion. Some people it is. I love that first fucking Prometheus movie. Yeah. And I then, loved it too. And then when they got to, what was it, the next one? Covenant? Covenant, yeah. Oh, fuck off with that shit. Oh, my or God. Mo- where Michael Fassbender wanted to do the fingering on himself, yeah. Yeah, fuck that yeah, movie. Oh, he wanted to finger the shit out of himself. He did. <laughs> he let me do the fingering. What the fuck? Uh, this is this is interesting. Uh, this is from Dark Horizon. Scream Revival shoots several versions. Radio Silence, the directing team behind the upcoming Scream Revival, have confirmed to Bloody Disgusting that they've gone above and beyond. In an effort to avoid spoilers leaking, the outlet reports that the filmmakers confirmed to them that there are not only multiple versions of the Scream screenplay, but also the movie with the purpose to, uh, ob- I keep, what is this? Obfuscate, obfuscate fans? Is that, is it, what? what? I've never heard of this word before. I don't know. Why, I'm like, why I'm following this like really closely and I don't know what that is. I'm guessing that, what does that mean? Does that mean confuse fans? Cause that word confuses me. Hold on. Uh, what the the bewilder, it says. Render obscure, yeah. unclear, or un- unintelligible. Well, shit, I read it, and that's what it did to me. 
There you go. It did its job. It did its that that <laughs> word. You were obfuscated. I was yeah, oh, you. that word obfuscated the fuck out of me. <laughs> its purpose to obfuscate fans who want to spoil the final product. As a result, don't fuck it. Don't you? Who the fuck wrote this? <laughs> <laughs> Just say confused. Just say confused. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we get it. We get it. You own a thesaurus. Fuck off. Ooh, you know big words. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Is that a simple enough word for you? Fuck you. Yeah, it's two words. I get it. Whatever. <laughs> Why are we so angry, Paul? Uh, very angry. Did uh, did fast bender finger us? What the fuck, man? Yeah, I gotta rub in your big words at us. Yeah, I know. Yeah, get your big word dick out of my face. Ooh, I say <laughs> obfuscate and welcome. Yeah. God, obfuscate. Yeah, I know there's somebody out there listening like, oh, you've never heard of obfuscate? That's my favorite word. I'm gonna write a, I'm gonna write a one star iTunes review about said obfuscate. You know, and they're eating their poupon. And then, and then, and then they're gonna use the word obfuscate in the iTunes review to to insult us. Obfuscate themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm obfuscated as to why I continue to listen to this podcast. One star. (laughs) Yeah, fuck you. Fuck you. I'm obfuscated why you can't fuck yourself. I preemptively say fuck you to that fucking iTunes reviewer. (laughs) Honestly, we haven't got an iTunes review in two fucking weeks, so I'm not worried. So, whatever. I love that we're getting worked up over a review that hasn't happened. Oh, yeah. I haven't even really gotten into the goddamn story, and I'm getting so worked up about this guy. Who does that? Who's that fictional guy? I think he is writing that review. Fuck you! I'm gonna fucking. I'm gonna get on MySpace and get gangs after him. Oh my God. Take him off your top eight. Somebody's gonna set. Somebody's gonna firebomb his Prius. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Cause he, he you know, you know this motherfucker owns a Prius. He would drive a Prius too, this co- this fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Paul, why are we so angry? I don't know. <laughs> Tristan, Tristan's just like, Tristan's like, I'm gonna shut up. I knew what obfuscate meant from the get go. <laughs> no, no, I Google that shit. <laughs> <laughs> was not on the SAT. As a result, scenes weren't just prepped, but actually shot. It's not unexpected. After a Scream 2 leak prompted writer Kevin Williamson to scrap his, uh, scrap his original idea for that, the following films in the series employed multiple script versions method as a precautionary measure. So yeah, uh, they're, uh, they've totally filmed, uh, different, uh, versions and endings and all this other shit for this new scream revival uh in efforts to avoid uh spoilers leaking and uh to obfuscate us fans <laughs> so <laughs> i think it'd be cool if they sent though all of them out to theater so like you're talking to your buddy like yeah man what do you think of getting the scream and they're telling you something completely different like wait a minute that's not the one i got whoa 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 bro you're obfuscating me right you're now you're obfuscating the, the fuck you obfuscating me <laughs> you think you're better than me <laughs> oh, no no i feel 100 percent obfuscated right now 
Who the fuck do you think you are, man? <laughs> that would be cool, man. They sent out like different versions of this fucking movie to different theaters, and your friend, you're talking to your friend, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, man, can you believe Nev Campbell do it? No, man, it was fucking Dewey. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, what are you man? talking no. about? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, we got a, we got a, a lot of great banter in this one, don't you think, there, Rebecca? Oh, I, I enjoyed the obfuscating banter <laughs> myself very much. I was obfuscated the entire time. Actually. <laughs> hey, you, you guys, you, you guys, you guys want to listen to that girl whistle some more? <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck is up with this episode? <laughs> this is so fucking dumb. <laughs> oh my god, Jack Quaid's gonna be in this movie. Did you know that? What? Jack Quaid is gonna be in this movie from the boys. Oh. He's in Scream? This new Scream, yeah. I'm oh, looking at the now. I'm looking at the uh the cast right now. Yeah, it's a pretty good cast, man. Very good cast. I at first I got confused. I thought you were talking about like Randy Quaid. I'm like, oh god, is he is he getting his life back together? But no, yeah, <laughs> Randy Quaid. I really doubt that very. Who's <laughs> Randy Quaid? I was very confused. I, I, I you were confused. obfuscated. No, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying. It. I hope they don't pull it. Five oh, sorry, my <laughs> I was saying, I hope they don't call it Five Cream. I hope they just call it Scream. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, the five <laughs> think we're going to make the S a five. It's just going to be five. Yeah. Cream, and I'm going to be pissed. That's yeah. Dumb. If you're going to call yeah. something Five Cream, it's got to be something on Pornhub. All right? <laughs> exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I am going to be counting to make sure that it is five creams when I watch that video. <laughs> five popcorn salads. I thought of something pretty hilarious for Transformers fans. It's just it's two girls in one cup, and it's Cup, the the robot from. from <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, all right. Anyway, yes, yeah, so, 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 that's Scream News, Marvel News. Marvel Scream could also be on Pornhub. <laughs> That's true. Very true. <laughs> Marvel News. We got a bumper for that, don't we? Yeah, we do. That's enough of that. You know, uh, let's see here. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. (laughs) News from Dark Horizons. It's one of the worst kept secrets in Hollywood, and so it seems Marvel Studios is no longer trying to hide it. Not only will Alfred Molina be reprising his role of daughter, 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 yeah, daughter Otto, doctor. Otto Octavius in Spider-Man No Way Home, but the actor has now spoken about his return to detail, talking to Variety as part of an interview over his role in Promising Young Woman. He says while they were filming, he was under orders not to talk about it, as it was supposed to be a big secret. Now, though, Rebecca, have you seen Promising Young Woman yet? No, uh, you, I know I'm behind. You know who's you know who who I thought was a promising young woman was you. Oh no! Oh, no. I, you know this is the, 
just has the I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed energy that I got a lot from my parents, and I'm just not really in a place to take that right now. <laughs> yeah, dad. <laughs> don't no, listen, listen, listen. Don't listen to me. My views are obfuscated. Okay? <laughs> don't listen to me. Don't listen to me. I no, I really just want I really want you to see this movie. I, I know, and it's so funny, because every time I see an, anything about it, like, on the social media, I'm like, oh my god, I gotta watch that movie! And then I forget or do something else, and then I, okay, I'm gonna watch the movie. It's not like I don't want to, I do want to. Did you enter the contest to win it? I don't remember. We, I, I don't gave like, out physical copies to this movie. I know, I know you did. I think I You did. entered the goddamn Spongebob one. We won that together. You won the fucking SpongeBob movie, I but know. you didn't fucking enter the pretty, the promising young woman movie. <laughs> I know. I, you know what? I do really you obfuscate me. Sorry, go ahead. I have to give Rebecca a lot of credit. She, she, she messaged me right after she won that contest and offered her download to me to play for my kids. That's uh, that's sweet, man. I, I actually ended up giving it away to somebody who has children who who would like two hours of quiet <laughs> for themselves. So, you oh know my what? God, it was like 24 hours of quiet. They wanted yeah. to watch that over and over again. I'm like, fuck That's yes, good. you can. You are a promising young woman, Rebecca. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be back in your good graces. <laughs> You're treading lightly, but right now you are. You're uh, you, okay, good. Right now you are. Right I'm now. glad I'm on the right side. <laughs> right. Carrie Mulligan. Do you see this news? She's she's going to be in an Adam Sandler led movie at Netflix. Did you see that? Oh, oh come on. That's a downgrade. I, thank you. Thank That's you, not Tristan. Promising anymore. It's not That's promising. not at all. Why is she going to be in this movie? I, it's going to suck. He hasn't made a funny movie in ages. Oh, man. I'm telling that, uh, what was that, that, that fucking, that. No, that, don't uh, say Hubie Halloween. Hubie Halloween was fucking don't great, dude. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. I find, thank you, Winkler. I fucking love you, Winkler. It was funny. Which voice did he choose to use for that one? I can't. Oh, dude, I don't. Uh, it was like a cross. Okay, between so little basically Nicky he went back to. Boy. Okay, so he went. He went there. Okay, Waterboy slash Little Nicky. It was a. It was no. It, I think the character was inspired by Canteen Boy because he had like a the whole time he had a thermos. Yeah, oh, so it was a Canteen Boy. Oh, that thermos. thermos! It was so funny. But Carrie, I love the thermos. <laughs> I'm not just like a, a Sandler stan either, because a lot of his newer stuff I've hated. Yeah, me too. I really did like Hubie Halloween. But I loved Hubie Halloween. I thought it was really good. stuff is doing so well on Netflix, though. Yo, yeah. it's huge. It's huge. Um, yeah, Carrie Mulligan's going to be in this. Me? Oh, okay, you. And like, is his, is his mom downloading it a thousand times? Like, who's watching this besides Brian? Like, I don't, I don't know. They're all gonna laugh at you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's when he was funny, though. I know. I listened. I listened to that album on repeat. I, I as did I. That was a hilarious album. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, uh, she's gonna be in uh, Spaceman. Sandler plays an astronaut sent to the edge of the galaxy to collect mysterious ancient dust. He soon finds his earthly life falling to pieces, and he turns to the only voice who can help him try to put it back together, a creature from the beginning of time lurking in the shadows of his ship, 
Mulligan will play the astronaut's wife. It's based on... Uh, Who does Rob Schneider play? Yeah. <laughs> Give him the Oscar now. I mean, come on. As he's going into space, Rob Schneider says, You can do it! <laughs> Jesus. It's so stupid. <laughs> you can do it! <laughs> <laughs> Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum, Reed Carolyn, Peter Kiernan, and Michael. Oh, they, they're producing. Channing Tatum's producing this. What? What? Why? Oh, wow. what, is <laughs> what is going on with this movie? God, Channing Tatum is producing. Yeah, we got. Thank God. <laughs> that brings. That brings a. I'm sold now. Now I'm sold. Yeah. I thought we were before. I, now I am. I thought I was looking at supporting cast, and it was like, no, Channing Tatum's producing it. You're telling me Magic Mike is producing Adam Sandler? I'm fucking in, man. Let's do it. Oh my god, the project. The project is my Netflix now. We're totally out of Marvel news. I'm just reading about this fucking weird <laughs> Sandler movie. <laughs> The, the project is based on the Yaroslav Kolfer novel, Spaceman of Bohemia. Okay. What the fuck? Oh, it's uh, by Emmy winner, uh, helmed by Emmy winner Johan Rank from Chernobyl from a script by Colby Day. Okay. <laughs> this is taking some turns. Yeah, you had me at Channing Tatum producer. Sandler <laughs> in a movie written by the guy who did Chernobyl. What is happening? Seriously, we're gonna see a fucking movie pop up on Netflix that says produced by Channing Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he produced this thing with a shirt on. No, I, I hope he didn't. I hope he didn't. <laughs> no, no, no. He totally did. He showed up to all of the, he showed up like to sign contracts, no shirt, and they were like, Mr. Tatum, please put a shirt. No! I refuse! You, you wanna, with, you guys with wanna- Pony you, by Genuine playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> you guys ever wanna obfuscate Channing Tatum? Buy him a shirt for Christmas. <laughs> what, what the fuck this? is this? What is this foreign substance? Fabric with holes on the side? What the fuck is this for? He fucking he wraps the shirt around his dick he's like it's he's like it, it, it's it's a dick koozie <laughs> it's a dick snuggie oh my god <laughs> I don't know. Alfred Molina. What was he doing? He's oh, God. He's <laughs> Alfred Molina. Hold on. What are we doing here? Oh, we took some detours there. Yeah, we did. Jesus. Yeah, we're talking about like Spider-Man Far From Home or something? Or No Way Home? Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, he was talking to Variety as part of his interview for his role in Promising Young Woman. He says... While they were filming, he was under orders not to talk about it as it was supposed to be a big secret. Now, though, it's all over the Internet, and so Melina is able to discuss it. Melina played the role in 2004's Spider-Man 2 for director Sam Raimi, that movie ending with uh, Octavius drowning in the East River alongside his life's work, a fusion reactor that was threatening New York City. In their early conversations, Melina was told by director John Watts that the movie will pick up directly from the final shot of... Doc Ock falling ever deeper into the river, 
Molina was concerned with a more practical aspect. He was 50 when they shot Spider-Man 2. He's now 67 and has physically changed. We were really worried about that with, uh, with Indiana Jones. Seems like... You guys, I like how they put that in the article and has physically changed. And has physically changed. <laughs> <laughs> Melina says he, uh, he's talking about Watts here, just looked at me and said, you physically changed, bro. <laughs> I, I hope to God it's a topless Channing Tatum that pulls him out of the East River. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he wraps him up in this thing that he found called a shirt. <laughs> I f- this has to be useful for this yeah no he starts to put it around dr octavius's dick and he's like what are you doing this, this will help you, <laughs> what are you- <laughs> this is a dick snuggy um no <laughs> this we, we've made a mockery of this news <laughs> We have made a mockery of this news. Um, <laughs> Melina says, uh, Watts just looked at me and said, did you see what we did to Bob Downey Jr.? Oh, listen to him talk. Call him Bob. Bob Downey yeah. Jr.? Yeah, look at him. Ooh, he's spelling. Oh, yeah. yeah I call those, him Bob. Those close to Robert call him Bob Downey. <laughs> Bobby's down. Yeah. Did you see what we did to Bob Downey Jr. and Sam Jackson? Molina, however, has also been aware of the limitations of the de-aging tech, such as in Scorsese's The Irishman, but says the nature of the role meant it wasn't an issue. Uh, They made Robert De Niro's face younger in The Irishman, but when he was fighting, he looked like an older guy. He looked like he couldn't even walk in that movie. (laughs) He looked like an old guy. That's what worried me about doing it again. I don't have the same physicality that I had 17 years ago. That's just a fact. Um, I then remembered that it's the tentacles that do all the work. And that's when Channing Tatum wrapped a shirt around my penis <laughs> and said, let me, let me take care of that other tentacle that you got. There we go. I'll nurse you back to health. Why do I keep going back? That is the dumbest thing we've ever talked about on this podcast. <laughs> my, my, they call it instead of, they call him Dick Ock in this one. <laughs> the whole, the whole movie, Doc Ock is just hounded by a shirtless Channing Tatum trying to wrap his dick up with his shirt. <laughs> I'm devastated by your presence. The, the whole movie. He's just, he's, he's literally just swatting Channing Tatum's hands away. Just leave me alone. I'm, I'm physically, a, I'm physically changed. I can't. I, I don't need a picture. I, he's like, he's of all the multiverses for us to go into, I, this is the one that we're in. Can't we go into the Garfield one? I'm in the one where fucking shirtless Jane Tatum tries to swaddle my dick with this goddamn V-neck shirt. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. I don't know. I can't even get this story out. I'm so sorry. 
Oh my word! Uh, <laughs> so is this story basically confirming that he's just going to be in the yes the, in the, in the universe? <laughs> yes, yeah. Like, so it, so we can also basically take this story as confirmation that uh, Jamie Fox will in fact return as Electro as well. Yeah. So. And probably a couple more. Like the fact that they're letting this out of the bag means they still got some other big surprises for us. Yeah, maybe Gambit shows up as Channing Tatum tries to wrap his dick up. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I got two of them. No, I got a fucking mutant. <laughs> Feige. <laughs> Feige. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is so dumb. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. Winkler, you are so quiet now. What is going on in your head, bro? Uh, I was laughing, but I was like, have this like snort thing when I laugh, so I mute it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I can't wait for fucking semi dry chicken to post the spoilers about this yes, one. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's what I was thinking this whole time. <laughs> oh my god! Ugh. All right, guys, that's all I got. I don't know. Any thoughts on? I don't know. I don't know. Any thoughts on this? No. <laughs> I mean, excited about. Alfred Molina, definitely. Oh, thank you, Rebecca. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, very excited about Alfred Molina. He was so fucking good in Spider-Man 2. I loved him in Spider-Man 2. I loved his portrayal. I just think Alfred Molina is such a talented actor. Alfred Molina Um, also in Indiana Jones movies in the, in the, in the the first one. one. Yeah. Very small role. Yep. Very small role. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I think he's a very talented actor. I think he's also just a really awesome human being. He's done a lot of like really cool stuff in his, you know, his real life. And, but yeah, excited for this. Um, you know, the Channing Tatum stuff is just icing on the cake. I mean, if he's really just walking around with no shirt on trying to wrap his dick in a shirt, I mean, I'm just going to be like, lose my shit. I keep um, thinking about like, I keep thinking about like all of Alfred Molina's appearances in every movie and then Channing Tatum just showing up trying to wrap his dick up with his shirt. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm thinking about like Alfred Molina's scene in uh, Boogie Nights. <laughs> that guy's throwing fucking fire the firecrackers crackers. all over the place. <laughs> no, man, it happens in Frida. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> or chocolate. Just... <laughs> <laughs> it's like the like like if if you're drowning, that is the last thing that's going to help you. <laughs> like what if like like the paramedics in Synchronic just like that's all they did when they showed up at every scene when somebody was dying. They're wrapping a shirt around that burn bodies, probably. This guy's dead. He's a burn victim. He was burnt to a crisp. <laughs> his shirt on their crotch. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> They'd be like, guys, guys, don't worry. I saw this in a Channing Tatum movie. Don't worry. I didn't totally worry. Why? 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 Drowned victim. Why are you not giving him CPR? 
Why? His dick. <laughs> this is this is so counterproductive. Dude, this guy just got stabbed by a sword from like the 17th century. Let's wrap his dick in a in a fucking bean. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that, that one guy that fell down the elevator shaft. <laughs> you just imagine that, like in the news clipping, where it says paramedics arrived on the scene and wrapped the shirt around. We just didn't get there in time. We didn't have enough time to fully wrap the dick. We didn't have the cooling technology shirt. Oh, we ran out of t-shirts. We ran out of t-shirts. No, they start implementing like that, that t-shirt gun that you see at sporting events. <laughs> Where they just then start shooting at the dicks. We got a professional sniper for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> what did you go to school for to shoot a shirt at a dude's dick? <laughs> this is so dumb. Oh my god, Paul! I yeah, I hope no one from your school is listening to this. Oh I really hope so too. Otherwise, we're gonna need to start a GoFundMe on Monday. <laughs> Oh my god, this is so dumb. Rebecca, thank you for joining us. Oh, oh yeah, I particularly enjoyed the uh, dick wrapping talk here at the end. That's was, that was great. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Where can people find you, Rebecca? Yeah, you can find me. You on can the find podcast. me not wrapping up someone's no, dick in a I, I don't. I don't. I did not go to the Channing Tatum Medical School and wrap up dicks in church. Um, <laughs> I want to see. I want to see a fucking pamphlet with 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 with, with drawings on how to do this. <laughs> you know, like those CPR pamphlets. Old bag of Nilo. <laughs> um, yeah, you can uh, you can hear me not talking about. Dicks and t-shirts on, uh, on Picard cast. Uh, it's a Star Trek, uh, podcast I do with Brooke. Um, you can also hear me on, uh, She-Ra and the podcast of power. I also do that one with Brooke and our friend Cindy. Uh, Paul, of course, my co-host on animated Backcast. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, that's mostly where you can find me these days. <clears throat> All right. Thank you. Oh my god, sorry. I'm sorry. I, I think like this, like this has been the most hilarious thing for me. I think listeners are gonna be like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever listened to, to anyone talk about ever. In my- it was a good, it was a good laugh though. It was a good giggle. <laughs> um, Paul, where can people find you, sir? Oh man, uh, movies from the heart, animated backcast with Rebecca, and then Jesse Candelori and I got a little, podcast called Cinedudes that's out that's a lot of fun awesome awesome check out the Cinedudes right now Michael <laughs> Winkler I, I have a feeling Michael Winkler's like wrapping his penis up with like a shirt or something no uh, I got this. I it too tight guys <laughs> it's too tight yeah, yeah. You, you like those tight t-shirts that the bodybuilders wear um <laughs> Winkler, are you going to start a podcast, man? Is that really going to happen ever? Uh, are you going to come back to podcasting? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a return. I just got uh, some things to work out, so I don't have anything to plug. But thanks for having me. I always have fun hanging out. Dude, I love having you on, man. I can't wait to hang out with you again in person, dude. You're so much fun to hang out with, dude. Dude, same here, man. I can't wait to fucking see all you guys. Ugh. Tristan, thank you yep. so much for joining us this episode, man. I had a blast. Yeah, man, I had a great time with you guys. Um, I hope to uh, do another uh, big group uh, guest spot again. Oh God, yeah. That, I I was I was worried about this one having so many people on, but you know what? I've I've had I've had a lot of fun. I was like, fuck it, let's just do this. Let's just have it. I, I want to and like you know, all of us have been on multiple episodes, and I just had a fun. Let's let's go out to fucking Guns and Roses, patience. I hate the sketchy website oh, about this turtle. God from damn it! I hate it when YouTube plays these <laughs> fucking videos. You looked on the bright side. <laughs> oh, true, <laughs> true story. True story. True story. The movie um, that we uh, shit house. She had that turtle named Pete that died. True story. My first pet that I ever owned was a goldfish, and I named the goldfish Pete. I was probably like four. And then when Pete the goldfish died, my parents bought me a turtle, and I was such a dumb kid that I named the turtle Pete because I couldn't think of another name. <laughs> oh, my God. I was such Dude. a... I, no, I was a dumb fucking kid, Rebecca. <laughs> I, I was a dumb fucking kid. And, like, put under pressure, I couldn't think of another name. So I had I had a turtle named Pete and a fucking goldfish named Pete because I couldn't think of another name. Popular name. Fun story, huh? <laughs> that was... That's one. That's one. For the ages. Hold on. Oh, God. I just got to hear this whistle, and then we're going to get <laughs> out of here. That's my turtle. Fraud protection. Discover something brighter. I got a Discover card. <laughs> <laughs> I do. They keep raising my fucking limit on that thing, too. Shouldn't they ask you? Shouldn't they ask yeah. you if they should raise your... See, they just raise it out of nowhere. Thousands of more dollars, probably. Yeah. There's just like they just like gave me like two thousand extra dollars on it. I'm like, stop it! You just want me to spend more, you motherfuckers. <laughs> Listen to this whistle. Oh, it is Axel. It's Axel doing it in the fucking. He's in the video doing this shit. That's beautiful. I bet he confuses birds if he does that outside. <laughs> he might. <laughs> they all come and start building nests on his head. They do. He's like fucking like Snow White and shit. Then they all shit on him. <laughs> Isn't that crazy that bird shit is white? Oh, it's so bad. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. I don't know the science behind it. What? Yeah, dude. What's the science with that shit? Eat, like, Literally. berries all day and shit white. I don't get it. I don't either. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> Bless you. Bless you, yeah. <laughs> mm. Thanks. Yeah, I'm ready to get out of here, too. Let's get out of here. All right. Just like all good leftovers, you know the drill. I'll see you next week. <laughs> 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 Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it.
You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean it. It left and breaks the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good have already been done before, so we should. Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft The crap Even though we're the shit Woo! We're the leftovers Picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good and toss it Good and taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it Can't erase it Left and breaks the Tupperware party Subculture spill over Like a vulture carryover Counterculture pushover Pop culture Leftovers And we're the uncool kids What's to say has already been said Leftovers Love it, hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers, sure the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Alright. I don't know, this one's gonna suck. So. No. <laughs> Before we even start, you're saying it? Oh, I'm calling it. No, because Rebecca has the breaking news that Michael Douglas was just cast as Power Girl for DC. (laughs) For DC. You know, I do have that breaking news. (laughs) Uh, Rebecca was just hired by We Got This Covered, apparently. (laughs) Hired? I started the goddamn site. (laughs) I am We Got This. I just make shit up, you know. Oh my god, we should fucking create a site where we just make up shit about we got this covered. I mean, oh, that's that. a, oh, that's a great idea because that's what they do is just make up shit. So we could ma- we could just make a site where we make up shit about them, <laughs> about like their authors and stuff. Yeah, it could be like yeah, like like we find Jimmy out, like, Cho shops at Costco and not Walmart. Dun dun dun. Well, like the the one of the editor there, editor in chief is Hitler. <laughs> we can make it like the weekly world news and shit you know he's a time traveler yeah like the, or like the fucking the vampire kid the bat kid is <laughs> oh my god the bat boy oh my bat god boy. i haven't thought about that in forever yeah. oh man bat boy <laughs> make sure i'm gonna make sure you guys can um 
the bumpers because last week at the beginning of the episode they couldn't. I think I fixed it this week though. So, is it good? Yes. Yeah. Cool. 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 Bruh, 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 bruh. Let's do a uh, test record. Uh, order me, Rebecca, Paul, Tristan, Mike. How's that sound? We remember the order. Yeah. Yes. Repeat, repeat it back to me. Brian, Brian Rebecca, Paul, Tristan, Mike. Boom. I win. What they Got win? the gold star. <laughs> <laughs> you win. You win a. Duo theme song for this week's episode of Falcon of Winter Soldier. I'm so oh, nervous. Shit. I hope uh, I can get this. Oh, oh, I'm going to get it. I'm so nervous. I think that's a fun segment. I do. I do, like, too. I do, too. I didn't listen to last week's episode yet. I don't know which, episode, which song you played. But uh, I was, like, running through my head, like, all the duos, like, shows and stuff. And I'm like, okay, can I name the theme song? <laughs> <laughs> I hope to God it's Dukes of Hazard this week, just because Jake is in. Um, I, honestly, I was thinking about I was thinking about just fucking like not doing them for these two weeks, and then telling Jake that yeah, our listeners got them right. right away. <laughs> no hesitation. <laughs> but apparently, like Jake actually listened to part of last episode, which kind of blew me away. So yeah, he wow. never listens. Oh. That sounds like a we got discovered story. Yes, I know. <laughs> no, he like messaged me. He's like, "Are you all right?" And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Yeah." I was listening to the episode. You just at the beginning of the episode said that you know you weren't doing okay, and I was like, "Dude, I'm." Just, I said I was just physically tired, like fucking tired. So, but it's whatever. All right, who the order? We remember the order. Rebecca, Paul, Mike, Tristan? No! <laughs> Fuck! It was Tristan, Mike! <laughs> Mike! You're disqualified from the Falcon and Winter Soldier duo theme song. <laughs> oh, thank God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Alright, here we go. Test record. Three, two, and one. Hey, welcome to the show. Blah, blah, blah. Hi, it's Rebecca. It's Paul. Hey, it's Tristan. It's Mike. All right. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yes. Yep. All right. Fuck. Yeah, we sound good. I don't know why it's taking my little recorder here forever to fucking get back to hearing you guys when I hit stop. So weird. Because I cleared all the memory out on it. Ah. That's smart. When I have a bunch of files on it it takes forever and when i clear out the memory it usually goes right back to it but it's being slow all right you guys ready to have some fun yeah yeah okay yes sir well you've come to the wrong place (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the no fun zone (laughs) Ah. fuck (laughs) All right, give me a second here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about this one. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so it begins. <laughs> you just talk like that the entire episode. <laughs> 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 
You are committing, sir. And her record ailing. That's fine. I'm going to do that. I like that, Paul. There you go. <laughs> I contributed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shake and bake, and Paul helped. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. It's shake and bake, and I helped. <sighs> Alrighty. Okay. Yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. You guys ready? Fuck it. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Uh, three, two, and one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast 